0: Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC. Morning, everybody. So, they've caught some woman dumping kittens in a zipper bag, dud in all the way up, So obviously hoping they would die in there. And they've caught her on uh, CCTV. So, let's hope she's identified later on to so these people. Honestly, I hate them, I hate them. Uh, the disgraced footballer Adam Johnson faces years in prison, the collapse of a career, all for the sake of uh, being lured by a girl who targeted him in the first place. But, uh, as I keep pointing out to people, she was underage. She got really rough treatment in court. You're a liar, you're this, you're that. All she was doing was telling the truth. However... She might have been, at best, somebody who was severely wronged. I don't really think it justifies ten years in prison. That's what the papers are saying. They're saying ten years in prison. I mean, I seriously thought, judging by what some people get for molesting real underage girls, you know, he sort of is really getting the, uh, the top whack on this one. And I don't know why they're making an example. I mean, surely even Rolf Harris and Stuart All didn't get this kind of thing. And they were having uh, sexual relations with underage girls. You know, this is a, this is a stupid footballer who's thick at the best, and um, and now they've... I mean, I couldn't believe the picture on the front of the paper either, because this is an early picture of Adam Johnson in his speedos, because, let's face it, nobody in their right mind wears speedos, and it was obviously there to find the headline pedo in his speedos. But it's a thin line, isn't it, between pedophile and she's she's above age. It's 15 to 16, it's not like 12. When, when I Whenever I hear the word pedophile, I always think... 10, 12, something like that. I don't tend to think because I'm, I'm not naive enough to believe that in the papers nowadays we get so many stories, the sun as well, put them in there, of kids of 11 and 12 who were sexting pictures of themselves. But uh, in the case of uh, this one, he was doomed to failure from the start. He lied and then he decided to tell the truth and that's when it all collapsed. And you think, why in God's name would you ever want to give up for the sake of a grope With a 15-year-old girl, £60,000 a week. Your girlfriend, who has now split from him with their child, he stands no chance of making any money at all. I don't know whether he's got savings. I don't know anything at all. And he could go to prison for, well, they've said up to 10 years. I I don't know what he will go to prison for. I've got no idea how they work these things out. Do they make an example of him to say to other people? Because there must be other people out there who have not been caught, who have had sex with 15-year-olds. There must be. Absolutely, there has to be. So when they've said 10 years, he could face 10 years in jail because he sort of uh, he gave her these tops and then apparently... Well, then he didn't give them and then he took them away. And then he said, now you owe me for them. And the whole thing developed. She had a crush on him, quite clearly, because uh, he was a footballer of the team that she supported. But is it is it really 10 years? Otherwise, you could probably go round schools and find all sorts of people who've been having sex with 15-year-olds. So, but to give up 60, it's the giving up 60 grand a week. Nothing would be ever worth giving up 60. Imagine if you in the fortunate position of driving a nice car, you've got a nice girlfriend, you've got a lovely baby, you know, everything is looking fantastic, nice house. They're paying you 60,000 a week. That's 240,000 pounds a month. Blimey, I'd step over everybody to get to 240,000 pounds a month. And then you give all that up. Why? Why on earth goes through somebody's mind giving up that amount of money? It's the money that, that bothers me as to why you'd want to screw your entire life up. He then goes on the sex offenders register and he'll come out of prison in whatever it is, two years. I think he'll probably get two years. But as I say, that's purely guess. I'm just basing it on what people who what I call, you know, People who've molested younger people than that, and more of them, and basing it on what they've been given. I don't see he's going to get ten years in prison. I'd be very surprised. I would think probably two years, which means that he could be out even sooner. But what does he do? Nothing. Nothing. He's completely screwed up everything. Absolutely. So the papers are full of that today, because when it first came in yesterday, he'd been acquitted of one charge, and then, and I thought, oh right, he's been acquitted of one charge, and then he was found guilty of the other charge, and that's when the papers obviously revised all their headlines. So uh, that's in the papers today. Ascot, I've noticed, is having a, uh, a losing battle. They're trying to make the Chavs Uh, cover up you've never seen such a bunch of degenerates in your life who are allowed in i mean really poorly dressed old scrubbers who turn up wearing the most awful outfits you know they obviously come from the wrong side of the tracks they are the low rents the people who you know just take it down to another i've told you before i've been at waterloo station seen men getting on the train their faces covered in tattoos what sort of people are they Sort of people thank God they don't live near me. Thank God. Uh, the new badge that you'll find on shop windows, it says that breastfeeding is welcome. and uh, But you wouldn't know what it was unless you looked at it closely. It doesn't actually have a picture of a breast. It's just got I think mum's sort of welcome, which is OK. Want to clean your rubies this morning? Got any rubies? That's not Ruby Murray curry, OK? You want to, Although you could put your curry in the microwave. Put them in the microwave. Want to clean rubies? The only place you get a bit of peace nowadays is the bathroom. It's like that. You, because um, I was firmly of the opinion up until the age of about 12, that God was in our bathroom. I was totally of the opinion that God lived in the bathroom. Where, I have no idea. I remember that distinctly, because my, uh, my younger brother would be in the bathroom, and my mother would come and bang on the door. Go, Good Lord, are you still in there? And so I believed that God was in the bathroom. Met a lady on the station yesterday, and then she tweeted and said, just met Steve Allen, great face for radio. You know, what can you do about it? It's radio. I'm not supposed to be uh, a good-looking person. And thank God not, eh? Thank God. Can you imagine if I'd been good-looking and talented? Oh, it'd be unbearable. Unbearable. Uh, Muhammad Ali admits he made up a racism claim, finally, in his uh, latter twilight years. He's now admitted that he made it all up. And uh, I've got a great quote for you about Dermato Dreary, The snowy blast that causes chaos. And uh, didn't you just know it that um, This Morning would invite Katie Price on? Uh, who has to get up about three hours before her hair does so that she can pin it all in place, and sits on there with uh, with Harvey. This is after she said on the programme, taken out of context, you know, had I known he was going to be disabled, I would have aborted him, and then she followed up by saying, but of course I'm glad I didn't. And so that's, uh, that was it. But everybody made a big deal about it. So they stick her on television. I mean, she is the most boring person in the entire world. She really is. It's not her fault. She can't help it. Uh, the teenager, way too thin to be modelling posh's clothes. And the mentally ill woman in Russia who beheaded the child claims that Allah made me do it. I don't know what you do. I don't know whether they carry the death penalty in uh, Russia. Do they have the death penalty? Or do they just sh- chuck these people in Siberian prisoner camps and they let them die out there? I mean, quite clearly, this woman is just mentally ill. She must be. No, Allah doesn't make you do anything at all. Peter Sutcliffe claimed the same, didn't he? He heard voices from God. The only voices that he was hearing were from the ex-wife... And uh, Peter Sutcliffe, who, uh, who needs to be put in a proper prison. We had a campaign a short while ago to get him out of Broadmoor. There's nothing the matter with him. He's just had a really cushy life in there. About time he got a little bit of, uh, little bit of hard knocks, I think, in the real world. No death penalty in Russia. Surprising, isn't it, actually? Because I'm sure Putin orders all sorts of things. Certainly does when it gets to this country. They go, oh, and we think that was ordered by Putin. What, the man who died? Yeah, I think so, yes. Because the KGB do exist. I used to think they were just sort of like part of Smirsh. I never thought they actually existed. I I never thought that, really, in Russia, things like that. I thought that we had a secret service, because I know that we have a secret service, but I thought that the Russian KGB sounded a little bit old-fashioned. It's all people saying, the blue crow flies at midnight. You know, that was supposed to signify something, and and then... But apparently so, and apparently we had little things going underneath the Kremlin, little bugs in the walls so we could listen in on stuff. I thought, it is like the stuff of James Bond, if it wasn't so bloomin' serious. If it wasn't actually the case that they they do order, order the death of people, it's like Kim Jong Un. Wish somebody'd push him off a boat and let him sink slowly into the ocean. What a vile little man he is! Ugly as well. Phew, ugly little man, you know, as ugly as his father was. And so he just destroys people. If if, if you God help you, if you fall asleep at one of his uh, boring sort of oratorious speeches, on and on, and you think to yourself, God help you, if you go to sleep, he'll have you executed the next day. There's also a story, sad story, of a cabbie. Caught out by undercover cops over a two pound thirty fare, so we'll tell you about that one. And uh, Stephen Fry is going to move to Los Angeles with his boyfriend. Stephen Fry is one hundred and ninety; his boyfriend is twenty-eight, and apparently he's destined to be a comedian. I know we do laugh, don't we? We do laugh. We quite like Stephen Fry. We quite like him. Uh, it was a very good interview for In Conversation. Very nice. And uh, and then he finds a very good-looking boyfriend of twenty-eight. So uh, there you go. Everybody happy in that department, I think. And the tributes flood in for Tony Warren, the man who came up with the idea of a street with a pub and a little shop at the end. And we call it Coronation Street. And I'm old enough to remember, and ugly enough certainly, to remember the first Coronation Streets. I remember them. Minnie Caldwell. Oh, Arena. Oh, and they'd go there and order a stout. And Ina Sharples, who was actually a very posh actress, used to have to play dowdy working class with a hairnet on and became as famous for her hairnet as she did for her role in Coronation Street. And we loved it. We absolutely loved it. And we've lapped it up over the years, haven't we? And Tony Warren was the man. You know, it, it has to take a gay guy to come up with a show like Coronation Street and uh, Rosamond Street and all these streets around there. God, was, I remember when Rita was singing in her club. But they they didn't have any money for a set, so they just stuck a box in a corner and pretended... They stuck two tables round it and then pretended it was a club. Love the programme. Love it. Love it. I'm not such a big fan now, but I do do sort of watch occasionally. Occasionally, but not really out of a sense of duty. Apparently, the KGB has dissolved... When I say dissolved, I think in acid. And uh, that was in 1991. That's when the Soviet Union collapsed. So now they've got the federal, the federal Security Service and the Foreign Intelligence Service in Russia. Either way, it's the KGB. It's a lot of men in dark raincoats going around saying, uh, Comrade, this one here, he has to go. This Steve Allen program. We listen to him. We listen to him on the wires. I think this man, megalomaniac, megalomaniac. <laughs> be funny actually, wouldn't it, if they monitored this program? I'd be quite flat Do you think they understand it? Hello, hello. We well, have to do that for them. Russian KGB are not known for being intelligent. They're just known for being a bit stupid and a bit thick. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, the um, um, the lad of eight, a little white lad who said he wanted to go and fight terrorism, and uh, the school called social services. They think he's been radicalised. He's eight. He's eight years old. I mean, dear God in heaven, what what are we putting in schools nowadays? Some pretty dim teachers, ladies and gentlemen. Some pretty dim teachers. And the beggars. And the advice is, and I'm going to bang this through your heads this morning if it's the last thing I do. And there is one lady. Do you remember this story? We brought her to you on LBC, uh, who took in a pair of homeless people over Christmas... And they robbed her blind. They thieved from They took everything. And she said, I can't help it. If I see somebody sitting on the street, I give money to them. More than 90% are frauds. They're con men. but One woman admitted she was begging. They, they, they've caught her in the papers. And she said uh, she has a normal job, but she goes begging after work so she can pay for a new kitchen. Do not give to beggars. They can sit there. Uh, money. Nothing, love. Nothing. Get off your arse. Get off. Go and get a job. People shout at people. So they sent one of the reporters out, which, you know, they should have done years ago. And she made eight quid in 15 minutes. Eight quid in 15. It's not bad, is it? When you think you don't actually have to go to work, you just sit on your bum on a seat. uh, Do you remember I told you we were going to Winter Wonderland two years ago and we're sitting uh, in Mayfair having a cup of coffee. And this woman comes in. She's got an anorak on and, uh, and a bag. And she comes in and she plugs her mobile phone in and then she walks out of the coffee shop. I said to a friend of mine, she's left her phone here. What does she do? She takes the anorak off, she folds it up in a bundle, sits on it, and then pulls a blanket up and she sits outside a shop, be- money. and I thought, what, you can afford a phone, dear, and you're begging? They're frauds. These people are professional beggars. They go out there, most of them are in accommodation. They have money coming in. They are not poor. They are not homeless. They're either feeding a drugs habit or a drink habit or possibly both. But they're certainly not homeless. And, you know, there's one of them. He's actually been in court. He had a big sign up saying, you know, in the army, put down his number. He's wearing an army sweater. He's a crook. He's as bent as the proverbial nine bob notes. They're all exposed in the papers today. So if you see somebody sitting by a cash point, do not give them money. That's the advice from all the experts. Do not give them one penny piece. Just smile and go, morning. Do not give it to them. Really, don't give it to them. Might sound harsh, but frankly, it's like me standing outside the building going, give me some money. And you go going, no, because, you, because you've already got money, haven't you? Give me some money. And that's what these people are doing. They're, they're doing it illegally and when they get caught they go to court and there's one of them he's driving a forty pound audi he's been caught on on camera begging then going and getting into the car you know these people need to be exposed do not give any money any money at all to anybody begging on the street okay simple as that and that way you'll keep your money otherwise you might as well just why don't you just sort of throw it down a drain because that's what you'll be doing if you give them any money at all. So give them not one penny piece. You don't see anybody dead on the streets of London, ladies and gentlemen, ever, ever. Uh, I always give money, says Caroline, to, uh, to the big issue, thinking they're genuine. Well, some of them won't. I don't give to uh, anybody with a dog. Nothing to a dog, OK? And you'd be a fool, Caroline, to give to a dog. Because they get extra benefits if they've got a dog. And so the dog sits there all day. And uh, they're, they're relying on people like you. Uh, unfortunately, ninety percent of people with dogs are frauds. They're frauds, okay? And so, don't don't give to them. That's all I can tell you. All I can tell you. Uh, Jamie says on the subject of Putin: uh, If we leave the EU, be under threat by Russia. If that's the case, how come they've allowed the Russians to buy half of London? Well, the Chinese and the Russians have split it. I thought, oh, look, I'm late. Um, but uh, the Russians have got loads of it because there's loads of oligarchs, isn't there? And they make their money. I mean, look at look at old um, uh, what's his name? Who's got Chelsea? What's his name? That's Roman. It's either Abramovich or Abramovich. It's got all sorts of different... Anyway, market trader. Thick as a brick, but made an absolute fortune. Not with market trading. That's why all his girlfriends are really super, super educated. And, of course, you know, a lot of women in, in Russia, you have to be careful, because many of them are working the, uh, the clubs in London. They're looking for rich husbands, rich boys. Why, wow, they're here, I've got no idea. Better off staying in Russia. 18 minutes past four. LBC... <laughs> Nick Ferrari at breakfast, every weekday morning from 7, only on LBC. And with Nick this morning, he speaks to the British truck driver that was surrounded and attacked by migrants in Calais. How do we solve the Calais problem? I don't think we do. The French just want to get rid of it, and I think they want to shove it over here. LBC's political editor, Theo Usherwood... It uh, looks how easy it is to become an illegal minicab driver. And Nick speaks to the Corrie legend Michael Lavelle after the soap's creator, Tony Warren, passed away yesterday. Tom Bauer, the author of the new book, Broken Vows, Tony Blair, The Tragedy of Power, interviewed the papers. And that's all after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. I'm Steve Allen. It's Thursday, the 3rd of March. Thank you for voting yesterday for the... Uh, I know a lot of people at Cheney's... How do we vote we vote? I, sh- I should point out this uh, for those people who maybe missed yesterday's program and the ensuing excitement. But it's all over the LBC uh, webpage, page uh, with um, James O'Brien bigging me up the other day to the point of embarrassment. Even my brother said to me, he "said Did you hear what he was saying about you?" I said, "No." I said, "No, I can't bear to listen to things like that. I really can't." Anyway, he was sort of saying, "Oh, you should vote for Steve and all this." Kind. So anyway, so uh, this is because in a, a survey done by the Radio Times, they've listed uh, favourite voices in the country, uh, favourite radio voices, the people that you like to listen to on the radio. And they're all famous, except me, because I'm not famous. I'm just a radio presenter. I do. I do try and point that out as often as possible. I've no delusions or illusions about what I do for a living. I'm just a radio presenter. But I managed to make this onto the list. I don't know how I made it. Onto, we can't quite work it out. I've, I've talked to loads of people since and I can't. Can't fathom it out at all. But anyway, I'm on the list with loads of very famous... Chris Moyles is on there, and uh, John Humphreys, I think, and um, who else is on there? Henry Blofeld off cricket, uh, there's a football commentator, uh, Alan Green. There's all, there's all sorts of people on there. And uh, and, and to be honest with you, I, I, I thought it was a joke. I thought maybe there was another Steve Allen. I thought there was another Steve Allen on there and they were sort of putting it down to the fact that uh, it was this other Steve Allen. But no, it did say Steve Allen on on LBC. And he's been there since 1979, which made it sound like I've been (laughs) sitting in a wardrobe or something. But uh, it was all it was all very, very exciting. Very, very exciting. And uh, and so there's a list of 20 women voices and 20 male voices. Which I think is, I think it's really nice, actually. I mean, I really do think it's, uh, it's very nice, indeed. Uh, Eddie Mayer uh, is on the list as well. There's all sorts of people who've got, but you're not voting for programmes. You're voting for voice. And that's what, because somebody was writing into to a, another radio presenter, who used to be here some time ago, saying, but you should be nominated because your program's brilliant. And I thought, no, 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 it's not programmes. You're not voting for a programme or whether somebody's a personality. You're voting for somebody's voice, whether you like the sound of their voice, whether or not their voice is the kind, of, I can't remember how they described it. It was something along the lines of, do you trust this person, isn't it? this This person... Uh, you know instills in you a feeling of calm not necessarily on this program not necessarily on this this program but that that's what it was to do with it was to do with you know what this voice did to you and whether or not you felt comforted by listening to that person's voice and uh, so I get myself onto this list how I've got no idea how I've got no idea and I looked at the uh, the other people and they're all they're all terribly famous and they've all got absolutely enormous audiences bigger than my audience Admittedly, I mean, I'm bigger than some of the other people on the list as well. But there's loads of people who've got bit. And I thought, well, I don't stand a cat in Hades, Chance, at all. They just say the, the brilliant Steve Allen has been with LBC since 79. Then, then they, they come up with this line. I don't know where this came from. The older he gets, the camper and cheekier he becomes. Is there a more mischievous voice on the air today? A more mischievous voice. And then there's, a, then there's somebody called Owen Bennett-Jones, who presents on the, uh, the World Service. Uh, Michael Barclay. Uh, who's got a, a lovely, dark, rich, chocolatey voice. They don't say that about mine. They've I always wanted to have a dark, rich, chocolatey, velvety voice. Uh, Henry Blofeld, of course, uh, a voice as plummy as jam. Ken Bruce, you know, all these people are, are sort of professional radio presenters. Uh, Harvey Cook, Charles Collingwood, uh, Barry Cry. How could I compete with Barry Cryer? I mean, goodness sake, you know, they say that uh, uh, for more than you know, so many decades on Radio 4s. I'm sorry, I haven't got a clue. I mean, he's... he's I think he's over 80 now. He's phenomenal for his, uh, for his years. Alan Green, of course, who does football. John Humphreys. Everybody knows about John Humphreys. Uh, Martin Kellner. He works in BBC Radio Leeds. BBC Radio Leeds! <laughs> Eddie Mayer, of course. And uh, it's interesting, actually, that Nick Ferrari says, uh, beware of the scimitar-like kick... Lurking before the final glug, Chris Moyles. They say, love him or loathe him, and uh, lots of people tuning into his breakfast show just round the, the corner. Uh, Colin Murray, Trevor Nelson, and uh, Neil Noons, Sean Rafferty, Charlie Sloth, uh, John Suchet of course, Russ Williams as well. So, and then you can vote for which one you uh, which one you like the sound of. And so my brother said yesterday, he said, I've got everybody voting. Down at Cheney's, they're going, how do we vote? How do we vote? And so Paul, Paul Cooper voted yesterday and John voted as well. And you just you just go to radiotimes.com, click on the radio section, which is about two down, I think, on the right-hand side, and then th- there's a lot of drop-down and then you'll you'll see it on there and you can vote for the ladies. And there's the poll for women. Lynn Bowles, of course, used to appear on my programme. Emma Bunton, uh, Gemma Kearney. Kathy uh, Clugston. Clugs, sorry. <laughs> sorry. shouldn't laugh. <laughs> Probably sound as daft as Steve Allen, but there you go. Corrie Caulfield. Uh, Sheila Dillon. Uh, we've also got uh, Lynn Listeset. Is that how it's pronounced? Listeset. Gosh. She's their international correspondent. Jane Garvey. Uh, Leona Graham. Charlotte Green, of course, in this building. Uh, Michelle Hussein. I think I know her husband, in fact, I pretty soon. And Lauren Laverne, I didn't quite get that. They said there's an intimacy to her voice that combined with her Sunderland accent proves irresistible to her fans. Does it, really? (laughs) It's a cynical side of me coming out. Karis Matthews, uh, Anne-Marie Minhall, friend of mine, downstairs. Uh, Sarah Moore-Pitch, who's one of Radio 3's most reassuring voices. So that's what you're voting for. Jenny Murray, of course, Susan Ray, Harriet Scott, and Sarah walker plus kirsty young so i never i thought kirsty young's voice was always a bit hard for me but then, yeah, just me and so you uh, you vote for the people you vote for one of the ladies and one of the gentlemen and you just put a tick on a box it's very very just click on it it's ever so simple to do and then somebody will win i don't know what the prize i don't think there is a prize if there is if there is something even more excited if there is a prize but i don't think there's a prize it's just the fact that you're i said i'm just delighted to be on a list I'm just that's the only thing I'm excited about I don't hold out any hope that I'm going to be doing you know anything wonderful all of a sudden can you imagine if all of a sudden they go yours is the most reassuring voice and all of a sudden people start going oh right and there that they start taking notice of you the one thing we don't want is people taking notice I quite like being under the parapet under the radar and just carry on doing the job you know we do very well with a number one program in London we like that I don't I don't like to draw too much attention. I don't want to do things like that. So I don't know what, what the prize is at the end. I mean, is it going to be a magnum of champagne? Or do you stand up in a room? They give you a free, free dinner or something. And then they go, ladies and gentlemen, the winner is... And you sit there with your heart in your mouth. And then they announce your name, maybe, if you're, if you're that lucky and God is on your side. And, and then you walk up and they're all going, oh, my God, he's fat. You know, and then you open your mouth. Hello. And they all go, where's that come from? Because some people on radio, some people put on voices... I know it's I know seriously I mean, I don't want to I don't want to name names but there are some people and um and they and they sort of they put on a voice because they think that's what you're supposed to sound like and so they go yeah you know, when I first started if you listen to some of the early Steve Allen recordings I thought I was butch I thought I had a big butch deep brown gravelly voice that would sort of you know sort of make everybody want to listen but of course you, call, you s- Suddenly he I mean, James O'Brien's not, if you hear him in the office, why, aye, oh, Steve, how you doing? He goes, and I go, all right, James, he, nobody knows. He goes on air, hello, it's all terribly, terribly posh, you know, live in Chiswick and all the way, he doesn't hackney, lives in hackney. It's, a, you know, it's, he's, he's built up a persona. The actual James O'Brien you listen to does not exist, it's a composite. It's a composite of different, he's, he's taken a little bit of me, a little bit of something else, a little bit of here, and it puts it all together, because when you hear him talking in the office, he's broad northern. I'm telling you, he's so seriously, and he goes on air. They've, he's got, and I'm, I'm not talking out of turn here. He's got a little machine in the studio which you adjust it, and it goes from northern. You turn it down, 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 and it goes to southern accent. It's like a little voice box. It's been. Most people have it built. I don't use it. I don't use it. I actually put it on, and I and I sounded sounded a little bit like Cheryl Spagbol. So I thought that wasn't But he has little little boys. Dar- you don't think Darren Adam is Scottish? Seriously, he's here because they have to make up the quotas, you know. And so what they've done is they've said, listen, we need a Scottish voice. And he's like, yeah, I'm not sure about that, actually, mate. And so they've now made him terribly, terribly Scottish, almost a little bit. You know, and it's it's but they've all got these. but I'm the only one who doesn't have it. I mean, you know, believe me or believe me. No, oh God, I'm late for the news now. Here you know, we get into trouble. You wait a little. Well, anyway, I'll come around to this one in a moment. Because uh, LBC News Time, it's four thirty. The latest headline: Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. It certainly is with a voice like velvet chocolate. It's lovely to have your company this morning. You know, I've started using the voice box. I'm so excited by the fact that I discovered it and I only discovered it literally a few weeks ago. And and there's a there's an English version and a Scottish version as well. And so the Scottish one is used by... We have a Scottish newsreader here called Paul Smith. He's, he, he's actually from Brixton. He's not, he's not Scottish at all. But they think that if they put different voices on, then, you know, Scottish people are going to go, Hi, one of us on the radio. And so that's what they do. And it's worked, actually. Because if you actually listen to the amount of callers coming through to Darren, they really believe that he's Scottish. But what he's got, and I'll, I'll read it to you later, there's a crib sheet in the studio. And it's got different things on, like, words that he can put in to make you think he's Scottish. Like haggis, Edinburgh Castle, kilt, sporran. Dancing—it's all these sort of things. So he sort of go, "Oh, I was in uh, Edinburgh Castle the other day with a bit of haggis," and people go, "He must be Scottish." And, I, and there's a crib sheet in the studio, and and the and the, and the newsreader Paul Smith got exactly the same, only his has has sort of keywords like Kim Jong Un, Okeye and things like that. It's all it's all put in there to make you believe he's Scottish, so that it makes a sound more sort of pleasing across all the. Uh, the, the barriers, just in case people go oh, I don't remember hearing a Scottish voice on Steve Allen's show, well you do now you do now, because we have, you know we sort of bring them in, but they, they use the little box as I say, if you saw the little crib sheet that James O'Brien's got, I mean you'd die laughing seriously, of all the things he has to talk about to make people believe, I mean at the moment he's built up this sort of persona of sort of wife and children and everything no wife, no wife no children or anything like that, it's, it's the fantasy family It's all there. There's just him, Teddy, and some chickens. That's all he's got. There's nothing else. And me. You know, he is my stalker. (laughs) He's the Steve Allen stalker. So anyway, so if you want to vote, uh, you go to uh, radiotimes.com. Click on the radio section. You'll see it on the top. There's a bar which has got, you know, all the different sections. And then it drops down. You can vote for your favourite lady voice. But you're not voting for the programme. You're voting for the voice. So I want to make that quite clear. Because otherwise, if you're voting for the programme, I wouldn't be on the list, I don't think. (laughs) Actually, I would. Um, well, I might be—I don't know. So uh, that's what it is. So it's uh, RadioTimes. dot com. And uh, another one here, Wayne. Wayne, I can't believe there's somebody called Wayne in Barnsley. You're sure you've not moved from Essex or something like that? I don't think you should be in Barnsley, should you? And um, <laughs> and uh, another one here. Uh, Much ado about Adam Johnson. Yes, I mean, it's a, a lot of people have pointed out to me, but of course it doesn't make any difference at all, the age of consent in different countries. I think you'll find in Sweden, is the age of consent not 14? I think the age of consent... I know there are certain places around the world where the age of consent is way below ours. But when you think in this country, the age of consent for gay men was 21... And then they lowered it to 18, then they lowered it to 16. So any cases that came up, they were going, well, if the person was 16, then, you know, it's, uh, it's legal, it's OK. And I think you'll find in the following countries, the age of consent is 14. Albania, Austria, Bulgaria, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Estonia, Germany, Hungary, Italy, blimey, Liechtenstein, Macedonia, Portugal, San Marino and Serbia. Fifteen, Denmark, France, Greece, Iceland, Monaco, Poland, Romania, Slovakia, Slovenia and Sweden. Uh, Sixteen, it's Andorra, Belarus, Belgium, Finland, Georgia, Kazakhstan, Kosovo, Latvia, blimey, Netherlands, Northern Cyprus, Norway, Russia, Spain, Switzerland, Ukraine, United Kingdom. So it's fourteen. So a lot of the people coming over here from, uh, from Europe, their age of consent is Fourteen. Fourteen they only needs to tell them that it 's sixteen in this country because it doesn 't make any difference you know apparently uh, since two thousand and one in Albania, fourteen regardless of gender and sexual or uh, uh, orientation uh, in the case of a girl, however, sex is illegal if she 's over fourteen but has not reached sexual maturity, so they have to find out if somebody is sexually mature in this country, they seem to mature phenomenally quickly this uh, this footballer. Uh, it's. Uh, it turns out he was addicted to pornography. He used to watch it on his phone. He would show it to his teammates. There's probably a lot more going to be coming out about this case. And then he will go back into court and he'll be sentenced. Uh, the papers have said probably, probably ten years. I think ten years sounds very excessive. I think it'll be more like two years. Because it was only one offence, wasn't it, against her. The fact that he met her when she was 14, 14. Now, of course, around the world, in a lot of the countries, Germany, Hungary, Italy, these aren't backward nations. They've got the age of consent at 14. We have it at 16. So that's the way that the law has to treat somebody. It's 16. If you have attempted sex with somebody under the age of 16, uh, and you're caught, well, then the courts are going to deal very harshly with you. But on the subject of gay, at one time it was illegal. I think under Queen Victoria, lesbianism was illegal. She never accepted the fact that lesbians ever existed. I only had to look at her to realise she looked like a prime candidate, didn't she? I thought she looked like Sandy toxic, just only wearing all black. I mean that in a nice way, because I've known Sandy for some years. But, you know, she didn't accept the fact that lesbians existed. 21 was the legal age. I think people really wait till they get to a certain age before they have S-E-X? No, they don't. I wish we could say that they did, but when you get a, a footballer who is quite clearly motivated by below his waist, and he sees a 14-year-old girl who stands outside the ground waiting to see him. She's had pictures taken with him before. She was besotted with him. Besotted. And then she, she, of course, gets to ride in his car, which, of course, must be big brownie points all round. That's where people sort of go, well, you've actually been in his car yet. So a big... In other words, you know, if you're a big fan of, I don't know, just supposing Mick Jagger or somebody like that, and you stand outside his house and he goes, can I give you a lift? You go, I'm in Mick Jagger's car. Blimey. You know, it's kind of, you'd be going back to your mates going, I was in Mick Jagger's car. They go, yeah, right. You go, I was. I was so. You know, I met this famous person. I got in their car and they gave me a lift to the next bus stop because it was raining. In the case of this girl, she got in and he signed some sweaters for her. And then, um, very unwisely, he then entered into dialogue with her saying, oh, you know, the next time we meet, you owe me. And that's when it started. I mean, he knew. He knew how old she was because they'd already discussed it. So it's a little bit, a little bit, but to give up 60,000, to give up everything, to give up everything, you know, it's it's not like it was a relationship. It was, you know, the, the proverbial sort of naughty thing that you shouldn't have gone anywhere near, but 60,000 a week you give up. <laughs> uh, James says there's more chance of me falling pregnant. I've looked at the picture, James, there isn't, uh, than giving money to a beggar exactly for the reasons that you stated poor dogs, yes, they, these people are, they're, they're animal abusers, the animal just has to sit on a rug all day, they don't do anything just sit on a rug, and they get more money for that, because animal lovers go oh, I don't want you to, uh, to you know, I don't want the animal to starve, these people are crooks you should appreciate this, read, read the papers for today, I can't, uh, I can't emphasise enough how wrong it is for you to give money to beggars people sitting by, you got only spare change I'm sorry, have you lost your voice? Would you like me to go and get you some corvon? Yeah, would you like me to do that? Go and get you some throat pastel. Just oh, some money. Ah, Balderdash. Balderdash. Don't give it to them. These people are all living. They're not sleeping rough, these people. They're not sleeping rough. Take my word for it. They are not sleeping rough. Uh, 84850 oh, steve at lbc.co.uk. Um, how can you have a list without Davy Boy Beckham and Cheryl Spagbol, who epitomise the finest conversations? So I married Victoria when I saw her and I liked her very much indeed. We've got lots of children and I advertise whisky and pants. At way eight Because I'm worth it. Uh, Mentally, I'm about 12. And uh, this is my boyfriend. He's 22. Apparently, according to somebody, they're they're really deeply in love. This little little Liam, the one with the personality that's probably gone walkabout. And uh, Cheryl, who couldn't have a conversation with anybody above the age of 18 because uh, she doesn't know how to have a conversation with anybody. What do they talk about? Has he ever seen her without makeup on? Ooh, scary. I think she's just a bit of a trophy. They say he's besotted. Of course he is. She's pro- probably quite a number of young men's fantasies, I should imagine. And so Liam gets, uh, you know, gets to go where other men have been before. And it's, uh, I know, I mean, I can't understand it either. You know, what do they talk about? He's, he's as dull as blooming ditch water. And she just sits there staring at herself in the mirror. Do you think they just curl up on the set here? Uh, why, eh? Uh, Liam, Shall we do another Instagram picture? It? Yeah, look. Yeah, click. Fantastic. Send it out. And he goes, oh, Lord. I don't even know what he sounds like, actually. He's said so little in the career of One Direction. We don't really know whether he speaks or not. Has he got a funny voice? He's certainly not on my list, though. He's not on my list, ladies and gentlemen. Whereas uh, there are lots of, uh, you know, <laughs> there are lots of lovely people uh, here. So 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk. We will go through the uh, papers a bit bit, of a, bit of a later on, just so you know exactly what's on the papers. This is the number one programme in London. Number one, barring nothing, bar nothing, we wipe the floor with everything. I know this because latest official figures just released, which came out about two weeks ago, I think, uh, show that more people are listening to Steve Allen at this time of the morning than any other radio station. So for that, we proudly wave the little flag, which is fantastic. So thank you very much indeed. And uh, we're very grateful. And it's been like that for years. We've been untouchable for years. You don't get anywhere near us on any other radio station. You might want to sort of listen to other... Th- You're more than welcome to go and listen to something else. I have no problem in saying to people, go away and listen to something else if you don't like it. It's fantastic because, uh, listen, even if I shed 100,000 people, which is highly unlikely, wouldn't make any difference. Wouldn't make any difference at all to my audience figures. We'd still wipe the board with everybody. Uh, and Ian says... Uh, uh, listening in Cambodia, weather hot, beer cold. Yes, and how silly for the footballer to chuck his whole life away for a groupie. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you can't understand, you know, people are motivated by different things nowadays, aren't they? They're motivated by different things. And uh, he chucks away 60 grand a week. He chucks away his girlfriend. He chucks away the baby. I love the way that the judge says, uh, prepare to say goodbye to your child, your daughter. I thought, excuse me, either the hanging judge or something and uh, it will be a custodial sentence, how long, we don't know we don't know until he goes back into court again, the papers have estimated, you know, it could be up to ten years, on the other hand it could be, could be two years and uh, Steve says James O'Brien's from Kidderminster, no, no, that's what he tells you that's part of the fantasy You've really, you've really got to start sussing this out. He's on his crib sheet. It's got Kidderminster carpet manufacturing, Brintons, all these different things that are because he's asked me about it. He said, "Have you been to Kidderminster?" I said, "Yeah, I went to Kidderminster years ago on a carpet course," and uh, I said, "It was Brintons." Brin- and he wrote it down, Brintons carpets. And I said, "Yeah, I said, it's really good." And so that's all. That's all made up. It's made up, just so. It's, it's the persona. A lot of radio people do things like that. They make, you know, I've done this, I've done that, I've got this award, I've got that award. I don't need to tell people lies. I've got no awards whatsoever. <laughs> but I am on a list of 20 of the best voices in the country, so for that I'm very grateful. 14 minutes to five. This is LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning. a pretty really nice to be company. Twelve minutes to uh, to five. And uh, it's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Uh Steve says, Jackie, uh, we can't find you on Sky. Yes, we've moved. We're 0124. 0124. Okay. So it's nasty loud stuff on our on the original channel. They they moved it the other day. I should have mentioned it. O one-two-four is the uh <coughs> is the new Sky number. Uh Ian. Uh, good morning Steve, good morning as well yeah, that we, we were talking about, uh, about James O'Brien being from Kidderminster, uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder says Jan and uh, she says after catching up again on Don't Drop the Coffin I read Barry Dyer Albin's diary on the Albin's website which I think he wrote up until a month before he died, very sad but I'm going to visit Dennis Sever's house on Mother's Day, what a treat yes Dennis Sever's is the uh, man who's got a house and I think it's in Spitalfields and the house has not changed since he lived in it. It was an old house. I think it was an old weaver's house, wasn't it, I believe? And so he kept it as it would have been, including noises. They've got speakers strategically placed to give you the atmosphere of the house. Uh, back in the time that it was in its heyday, uh, candlelight everywhere there 's a few of these houses around, but Dennis Severs is one of the best. He was a big listener to lbc he used to he used to write to me on a on a regular basis so uh, i 'm always delighted to to talk about his house and to tell you how good it is if you 're looking to go somewhere and it is mother 's day it 's on sunday isn 't it which I think is going to be the sixth. And that's when you have to go out and buy flowers and uh, chocolates and all sorts of things. And already the adverts have started appearing in all the newspapers, uh, saying, you know, you can get this for three quid and that for four quid and a box of chocolates and we're chucking a meal and everything else. Uh, all for your mummy for Mother's Day. And that doesn't matter whether you're a young person buying for your mummy or whether you're an older person going to visit your mummy or it will be, in the case for a lot of people, going to the cemeteries and the crematoriums to go and visit their their mummies there. And you can always guarantee on Mother's Day at some of the big crematoriums in London and outside of London as well. It will be an ocean of flowers. It will be an ocean of flowers. I don't know why. I don't know why. I've always... I love flowers, don't get me wrong. But I always was told by a world-famous psychiatrist, only give flowers to the living, they appreciate them a lot more. When you, when you give them to somebody... After Diana died, there was more than £30 million pounds spent on flowers. They sat there in front of Kensington Palace in their plastic, rotting, until they just got picked up and thrown away. It was a terrible waste. I mean, it was a fantastic show, and uh, I can still remember it now. We used to have LBC listeners who were down there on most days, and they would phone in and tell us, you know, we're down here again, Steve, and this is what it's like down here. But there were £30 million spent on flowers, and they sat there and rotted. And in all these cemeteries, there'll be flowers going on graves and things like that, and, um, and people will spend money because it's... But don't give it to the dead. They don't appreciate half as much as the, uh, as the living do. The living appreciate an awful lot more. Uh, more of your texts and uh, emails coming in now. And uh, Kim says, I've only been listening to you for about six weeks. I'll be voting for you. How refreshing your honesty is. Well, I mean, I, d- I don't think it's it's honesty. I think it's just, it's just telling the truth. Somebody always told me, tell the truth. Why would you bother telling a lie about somebody? I don't need to bother telling lies about people. They dig their own graves, I think. And, uh, yes, there was Bill Wyman and Mandy Smith. According to Mandy... Um, I mean, I knew her when she was in Stringfellows. I used to sit with Mandy Smith. You'd never have known she was 14. She was 6 foot 2 I think. She was absolutely enormous. You'd never have known. Never have known. Um, 84850. The description of a foul-mouthed old bag wouldn't be the same in a rich, dark, velvety voice, says Stephen Manchester. Oh, it would. Oh, it really would. Mind you, you can imagine Gemma Collins is never going to make it onto the list of people who sound like women. Sounds like a truck driver. Sounds like a truck driver, poor soul. She's just uh, officially been named the biggest liar in Essex which of course, I mean, you know, we've, we'd already labelled her that weeks and weeks ago, you know and said, she's always uh, trying to stir it on the programme, she's a bit simple she can't help it, she's 32, but frankly, to be honest, I think the brain capacity of about a seven-year-old speaks like a seven-year-old, got a funny little voice you feel like saying to her, why don't you go out with another drug dealer dear, who's been convicted, you know, that seems to be your mark doesn't it? Oh, bad news, bad news, Harry Durbridge, that'll be the really butch one, who was in Essex, but they kicked him out because, frankly, a bit of an embarrassment he's something related to to um, um, one of the people up there. Who's he related to? He's related to... um, Oh, Amy Childs. I think they're sort of cousins. I'm embarrassing, honestly. Sort of the the last epitome of what you think a gay person should look like. Harry Durbridge is not it. He's closing his shop down. Uh, Nothing to do with the fact that uh, business has tailed off. He's going to be concentrating online. But there again, he's so wet and drippy and so effeminate, he makes her actually look a bit butch, he went out with that Bobby Cole Norris, lasted about five minutes I mean, two Marys together does not make a great relationship, you know, one of them's got to be butch, and unfortunately neither of them were butch, which was a shame, and Amy Childs who's just, simple but uh, she's kept her, her places open in Brentwood, but apparently somebody was saying in one of the papers that um, the tours are tailing off you know, not not many people are going on the tour why would you want to? why would you want to? You know, a lot of the, the traders in Brentwood hate the idea that these people are there. Absolutely hate it. I think they, they complained about uh, Joey Essex's shop because it just got people... They weren't buying anything. They just stood around outside hoping they were going to see the simple one. But, of course, he wasn't there most of the time. Like most of these people aren't. They're not. Uh, ta-ta-ta-ta. Another one here very quickly. Let's try and weave as many of these in as we can. And um, a lot of people talking about the uh, the footballer. A lot of people saying, well, we thought he was guilty. Well, I thought it could have gone either way. I thought it could have gone either way. I really did. I really did. Uh, 84850. Uh, Mike says, how is it when Cheryl spagbol face, gets a divorce from one of her husbands? She finds a new man, falls in love with him within weeks. Is it because she's worth it? Well, she's sadly not worth it. And they're not divorced. She is not divorced yet. Uh, I think they're going for the divorce, but as far as I know, she is not divorced at the moment. But, uh, of course, I mean, you don't ever believe any of her relationships. She's uh, she's needy. She's needy. My friend Jim says, uh, my hair... Oh, wait a minute. What has he done with his hair? He says, it's getting a bit too long, almost like Donald Trump. A trip to the barber might be on the cards later. Mm. He's looking a little bit scruffy. You do... I've got to go and get my hair cut today as well. I know you probably think it's because I'm worth it, but I... every so often, if you have it cut short, you need it keeping short, because it looks better that way. Uh, I think Jeremy Kyle has finally lost the plot. I had to switch off yesterday, says Malcolm, as there was a family at war on, and they were all talking at once. Impossible to follow, and he doesn't seem to do anything about it. Uh, if it continues like this, I'm afraid its days are numbered. Well, I mean, it's, it is just, it's Chav Central, isn't it? It's a lot of disgusting people who sit there swearing and pointing and shouting obscenities and old women with no teeth standing over you slept with her you did you and so it goes on i mean you do sit there thinking which part of the country are they in and i'm so glad i'm not in it i don't want to be anywhere near these people they just they don't understand how ghastly they are there was a woman who was done uh, i think she's in some of the papers there. she's a benefit fraudster she's lived here for donkey's years but apparently she doesn't speak english So they had to call in a a Bengali interpreter. It's amazing. Managed to learn enough how to fiddle the system but can't speak English. And turned up in court in a wheelchair, as if that made any difference. She was ripping it off left, right and centre. And somebody said, and wrote in, I think on one of the... uh and one of the uh, those sort of chat things where you can comment on it, and saying, so, she doesn't speak a word of English, so has to have an interpreter in court, and yet managed to fiddle the system. You go, yeah, because she's lying. <laughs> she's lying. <laughs> these, these, these people, they, they learn how to do it. They learn very quickly. It's like all these people here, the migrants, fighting. There's pictures in the papers of people, you know, pulling out knives. We don't want these people in this country. These aren't economic migrants. These are scum. These are awful people. You know, there's a call now... Uh, to say, you know, we just do not want these people over. We don't want any of them. don't want any of them. Especially as now we've discovered that most of these people are coming from countries where the age of consent is 14. So they probably don't think there's anything the matter with that, do they? They probably think, that's OK, until they get themselves into court. We've got more paedophile rapists from, uh, from uh, Eastern European countries than anywhere else. The- beggars as well. They did a whole list of where the, uh, of where the beggars come from. And uh, I'll read you out the list a bit later on. Plus the uh, the man here, a liar... This is Stuart Fenton, 38. He's a liar. He's put down a number. He claims he was in the Paras. So he's a uh, ex-armed forces. Just need a little help. Counsel, a waste of time. Please help. Thank you. God bless. But, uh, in fact, uh, a cop nailed him in Western Supermare. He wore a D-Day anniversary top and made up an army number. number. He's never been in the services. He's a crook. He's bent. He's bent. He admitted fraud and got a suspended sentence with £200 costs. He is actually living... Uh, in, a, in a flat. He's on benefits and he's got a flat and he's out there begging. He's a crook. He's a disgrace. They, they, he got a suspended sentence. Ten years in prison. Ten years. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm working on. And another one here, a beggar who's faced fury, pictured loading bags into a flash sports car. Matthew Brinton uh, claims that the car was left to him by his nan and has been stolen since Snap emerged. He goes begging in New Key. He's regularly scrounging on the streets. And uh, he's received death threats and says the abuse he's received has driven him to consider suicide. He's another one with a dog. So, in other words, he's an animal abuser at the same time. These people shouldn't be allowed animals. They really shouldn't. Somebody says, I I gave him, you know, uh, hot food and a hot drink. He was very rude. Of course he is. They're fake. They're fake, these beggars. All these people sitting there with notices. They're fake. None more so than Stuart Fenton duped strangers into giving money and buying him food. He's on benefits and he lives in a flat. He's not paying a penny piece. He turned up in court the other day, looking very smart, little boy, aren't you? Crook. Honestly, one of the uh, one of the people here who runs Broad Street says that these people rake in up to eight hundred pounds a day in the centre of Birmingham. Why on earth? I tell you what. Why don't we all go out there? Why don't we just get everybody, you know, in Western and all these places, to just literally go and sit on the streets? And when they go, what are you doing? We're begging. We're all begging. We're all fa- and go. J- I tell you what, just go and sit next to some of these people. Hello, you're all right, mate. Yeah, I'm begging. I'm just giving a bit to get a new kitchen in. Hello, pay- give us some money, please, mate. Give me some-. And it will completely kill them. They'll have to move away from you, and that's when you know that they are crooks. The cabbie caught out by the undercover cop. He um, he thought he was doing the best thing that he could do, but it turns out. He lost his business, he lost his licence, he lost everything. Not so good, is it? Holly Willoughby had a zip malfunction at Number 10 Downing Street. That was lucky, wasn't it, Holly? Otherwise you'd never have made the papers. Good grief. Tributes flooding in for the Coronation Street creator, Tony Warren. Ascot trying to make the Chavs cover up. I mean, seriously, you know, the Pope will be deposed before that ever happens. These people are just low rent. They look like scrubbers. It's awful. Uh, The lad of eight, accused of being radicalised. Seriously, seriously, not true. The woman who dumped kittens in zipped-up bags. And the Valentine's date at the Ritz that ended up in court. Why? I'll tell you in a minute. It's LBC. On Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850 Tweet at LBC Morning everybody, nice to have your company this morning It's Steve Allen's early breakfast It's Thursday the 3rd of March And it's uh, not too cold this morning Not as cold as it has been Uh, The men in masks, the vicious fights and the Mohicans Just another day in the Calais jungle The cabbie caught out by the undercover cop £2.30 fare And then they nick him And I'll tell you why in a moment. The new badge that says breastfeeding is welcome here. The Scots have poorer health than the English, so they can retire two years earlier. Two years earlier. So Darren, Scottish, he'll be he'll be delighted the fact that he if he carries on the charade about being Scottish, he can get off work two years early. (sighs) I mean that's worth doing, isn't it? And Muhammad Ali admits he made up the racism claim. And Donald Trump's hair. Oh dear. It's got its own agent, you know. I'm totally convinced it's, it's got its own agent. Other stories that are in the, uh, the paper. Lovely story about um, Adele doing a nice thing, you know. And, and she doesn't have to do it. And they don't have to do things like this. Uh, and some people do it. But when she did it to, to this girl, um, it, it kind of sort of raises a tear. Because there's a little girl who is obviously a big Adele fan and she wanted to go and see Adele but she's um, she's very ill she's got cerebral palsy they only gave her last year i think 6 months to live uh, and against all the odds she's defied it and she's still living she's blind and so they um so they asked Adele you know if if she could get her some tickets and so Adele does a bit better than that she goes over there. She goes to see this this girl. I mean, it's, it's really... It's a super story. I mean, you know, the, the more cynical among you... And, I, listen, you don't find anybody more cynical than, uh, than me would be saying, oh, it's just done for publicity. But it's such a nice thing to do uh, for this girl who her, her mum said she might not know where she is, but I'm sure she'll, she would have been delighted. So I think that's a nice thing to do. So Adele goes to the top of my charts. Uh, I'm not even bothered about the... Um, About the swearing. I think I can just about put up with the swearing. I do think it's a bit of an act, though. I'm totally convinced that all these people... Oh, look, Mr Mandelson. Oh, sorry, Lord Mandelson. I mean, really. Serving up his dodgy diet of doom and gloom. There's something about him. Wasn't he called the Prince of Darkness or something, Peter Mandelson? Nobody seems to like him at all. Poor soul. Uh, More on the dodgy beggars. Loads of them. Loads of them. One here, claiming he's the homeless soldier, Stuart Fenton. He's been been given a 16-week suspended jail sentence. Uh, He's not homeless, and he had been receiving benefits uh, more than a year. He's been getting benefits. So he's a lying little creep. He really is. The other one getting into a a sports car with his dog sits there. got got any money. Got any money. Creeps, they really are. And the woman who dumped the kittens in a zipped-up bag. This is uh, Susan Maud. Uh, she was recorded leaving her home in the dead of night with a zipped-up laundry bag. Nothing the matter with that. Most people have zipped-up laundry bags. We've probably all been through them in our time, haven't we? And um, anyway, she was later filmed returning to the house in Merseyside without the bag. And um, so anyway, they went there. A neighbour's surveillance camera caught her and they find the bag and in it are one, two, three, four, five little kittens. Five little kittens. Still alive because they would have faced... A very slow and painful death in there. They would have frozen. Almost as bad as that woman who dumped the, uh, the cat. Do you remember? In the, uh, in the bin and then pulled the lid down on it. And had, of course, that bin been picked up by the bin men, who were literally round within minutes, that cat would have been crushed to death. This woman, her, uh, here, has been convicted of failing to protect them from pain. A warrant's been issued for arrest so she can be sentenced. Uh, she failed to attend the court. But uh, don't worry, Susan. we got your name. And we know where you are. And you'll be found and dragged before the courts. Anyway, she's not a very nice person. Not a very nice person at all. The cats, you know, must have been absolutely petrified. Horrid old bag. I love the way they think that they can sort of, um, just walk all over people. They go, listen, because I dumped all these cats, you think I'm going to turn up in court? You will, darling. You will, if we have to drag you in there. Because now there's a warrant issued for your arrest. And, uh, once you get a warrant issued for your arrest, that does not look very good at all. Um, is that, is that her? Oh, this is the cat bin woman. This is Mary Bale, another vile person. She pleaded guilty to causing unnecessary suffering to a tabby cat. They say one explicable moment of cruelty when Mary seized the cat and dropped it into the weenie 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 bin was only punished with a modest 250 quid fine. The cat bin woman from Coventry, horrible old bag, became reviled around the world. She said it was a split second of misjudgment. Thousands of people, I mean, they got, they got a bit carried away. They said she was worse than Hitler, and they called for the death penalty. A little bit dramatic. I mean, she's just quit, clearly one of life's stupids. And so, named and shamed, which should be enough, the cat was trapped for 15 hours. 15 hours. And so what they did, they actually uh, put a camera in outside the front and they eventually sort of tracked her down. I mean, the, the actions were totally deliberate. She had a solicitor, uh, and the solicitor said she had very little recollection of the incident. I oh, know, I'm the same on this programme. You know, you say something one day, and then you get to the next day, and you go, you know, I cannot remember. Somebody says to me, oh, my boss will say something to me. He'll say, oh, listening to you this morning, Steve. He'll say, oh, you made me laugh out loud. And then we both sit there, and he go, I can't remember what it was. <laughs> Could have been anything on the programme, couldn't it, really? Could have been anything. Anyway, I mean, the judge said that she was in a stressful situation. Do you know that this thing uh, actually... The, the maximum penalty is six months in prison or a £20,000 fine. She had to pay a victim surcharge. So she got fined the 250 quid, and uh, then she had to pay £1,436 and four pence. I mean, could they not have rounded it up to 1500 She's been banned from keeping or owning animals for the next five years. She's resigned from her job, unable to face her colleagues again. And um, it's, she's just horrible. But as she fled the scum, an onlooker shouted, I love you, Cat Lady, Cat Lady, you're my hero. They should have been run over, shouldn't they, outside there? She's just a nasty piece of work. Nice to be. More than five years ago is that one. Oh, she can keep animals now, can't she? She had the five year ban. Mind you, why would you want to keep. You know, if she quite clearly is, is not of sound mind, and she looks like she's barking mad anyway, she used to work for Royal Bank of Scotland. Used to work. There must be something about working for a bank that gives you an awful lot of stress. Actually, talking of a lot of stress, there has been much talk in the papers, has there not, of Dermato Dreary coming back to the X Factor. I've said, well, listen, compared to how bad Ollie Murs was and Caroline Flack, they might as well, but I think that's just going backwards. They need to find somebody else who can do it a lot better. However, Dermato Dreary is, as you know, recording a pilot and has recorded a pilot with his friend Campo Gino. Uh, who's a, a little chefette on the television, and it's called Live at the Trattatoria, which is it's a lovely title, isn't it? Because And it will involve, it's, it's going to be sort of like it's an Italian restaurant with celebrity guests, TV stunts, music, and of course cooking by De Campo. Well, to be honest with you, it's got the kiss of death on it, and I only want to point this out to you because I don't want it to be seen that I'm in any way bitter or twisted or not coming up with the correct facts. Uh, Trattatoria's uh, diners, will be encouraged to eat, drink and be merry. The idea that they're going to have celebrity guests, it'll be the Drearies from the reality shows. Oh, and look, here's Gemma Collins. Don't let her near the bar! You know what she's like. Once she's started drinking, she's even worse than when she's sober. And uh, apparently... Uh, A lot of people are saying this could be a lot of fun. I see it as nothing more than uh, a programme doomed to die the slow, proverbial death of yet another cookery programme on the television. We don't want to see Campo de Gino on the television. We've seen enough of him, thank you, and I mean we've seen enough of him. And uh, Dermot O'Dreary, really one of the most boring presenters on television. The only reason I'm not in favour of this programme, nothing to do with the fact that I'm bored with both of them, it's the fact that Dermot O'Dreary's restaurants appear to close... In fact, the, uh, the latest one which closed, the Brighton branch of his fish-and-chip restaurant, Fishy Fishy, put 15 staff out of work in the process. Accounts for the last financial year showed the company was 238000 in the red. I mean, is this some joke or something that somebody's going, oh, let's let him run a restaurant? He can't run a restaurant to save his life. Two years earlier, he shut another one of his fish restaurants in Poole, the management blaming a lack of passing trade. I mean, seriously, is this bloke cut out for a life-running restaurants? No, it's not. He shouldn't be allowed anywhere near one. So the very idea they're putting on Trattatoria, if this one collapses, and this, this programme eventually makes it to uh, being commissioned, and they do go with it, that'll be three restaurants he's closed down, effectively. But as I say, anything with Campo de Gino, who we've seen on lunchtime, for it's dire it's dire. Do not stretch yourself any further. Okay? Just do... There's other people coming up. There was one on the television yesterday, made something for Lorraine, who everything is, oh, that's wonderful. Oh, that's beautiful. She's not, she's not Scottish. Merseyside. And she said, oh, that's gorgeous. Oh, I like... Oh. oh, there wouldn't be any left in our household, she goes. And you get the feeling that she's an automata, and the stock phrases coming out of her mouth. I think that behind the camera, where the auto cue would be, uh, there's a little sign saying, oh, Great, marvellous, you're wonderful, I love you. Oh, I could eat this all day, all that kind of thing. Because I didn't believe a word of it, actually, but it did look quite nice. (laughs) I don't normally give to anybody who asks for money on the streets, but I do carry stuff with me I think could be useful. Baby wipes, toothbrush and paste, gum, bottle, water, cereal bars, socks and pants. At night... Good God, says Poppy Lady. I carry sandwiches, cakes, crisps, which I give. I have in the past rung a shelter from my mobile, booked someone in and paid their fees for the night. Said that, the genuine will suffer because of the fraudsters. Yes, unfortunately, there are more fraudsters out there than you can imagine. And it's a shame because you can't separate them. So unfortunately, they all have to be targeted. It's up to the people who are genuine... To go there and start kicking these people where it hurts. Or go down and sit next to them and go, I'm I'm begging as well. This is my... my You'll soon discover how nasty they are. Apart from the fact they're compulsive liars, most of them. The ones with the dogs are the worst, Okay. So here is a bloke in the paper today. His little name is Reese Weatherburn. Reese Weatherburn has a girlfriend. Her name is Shannon Fidge. Shannon Fidge. Little Reese Weatherburn, who lives with his mummy and daddy at home, is a, a particularly naive 20-year-old. He, uh, he books himself into uh, a hotel the other day, the Ritz. He books himself in, and he books his girlfriend in at the same time. It was a romantic gesture for his girlfriend, Shannon Fidge, for Valentine's Day. So here he is. He's not the brightest penny in the box. He's a bit of a simpleton, and he's a bad drunk. Because... During dinner, the couple started arguing over her ex-boyfriend. Because that's what happens when people have drinks. They go, what did you go out with him for? Sorry, because I loved him. Yeah, what are you doing with me here then? Because well, you're paying for the room, you dodo bird. Anyway, uh, when they returned to the room, Miss Fidge refused to have sex with him. <laughs> so they've argued through dinner, OK? So here he is, little, little Reese Weatherburn, little girlfriend, Shannon Fidge. So they start arguing. He told her to shut up, with a rude word. He said, we're in a hotel, we're going to have sex. Now, I see this, and you see this as well. At what point can a girl say no any time she likes? You do that, it's rape. Statutory rape. Unfortunately, nobody tells poor Reese Weatherburn. He's obviously a simpleton. And, uh, anyway, he then shook her arms, pushed her onto the bed. His girlfriend's screams were heard by guests in another room who called reception. Moments later, he was escorted from the hotel, this little Rhys Weatherburn, uh, by security guards, and he smashed a glass panel on the way out. Yesterday, he was ordered to pay fines and court costs of four hundred and forty-five pounds after pleading guilty to assault and criminal damage. If he touched her physically, it had been on a rape charge. Yesterday, the fine included a compensation payment of a hundred pounds to Miss Fidge, who is also twenty. Uh, Weatherburn, Reese who's listed as working with a recruitment agency, was also ordered to take part in a 40-day rehabilitation clinic for alcohol misuse. The magistrate said it's a very, very serious crime, which the courts taste very seriously. A custodial sentence would have been more of a possibility. I wish you the best with your alcohol problems. He's quite clearly a simpleton, aren't you, Reese? You're not the brightest penny. Anyway, they argued about some contacts. They went out in central London for drinks. At one point, Weatherburn, who lives with his mummy, Michelle, and her partner in a house in Yolding in Kent, left his girlfriend alone for ten minutes during the argument. When they return, the room, which cost a minimum of £325 a night, Miss Fidge said she didn't want to have sex because she was tired. She also said she didn't have any contraception. Weatherburn wanted sex and told her she was being stupid when she refused. He's a quite nasty piece of work, isn't he? Anyway... Uh, He pushed her onto the bed, began to hold her by the arms and shook her aggressively. Uh, The court heard that police had been called out to deal with two previous domestic incidents between the pair after he'd been drinking, neither resulted in a criminal prosecution. He was dressed in a blue suit and represented himself. So not only thick... Really dumb, this one says, I'm very sorry I've done the trouble I've caused everybody. Well, you would be delighted to know you're in the papers today, Reese, Portraying you as that nasty little piece of work, which quite clearly Shannon Fidge is aware of. Anyway, he says he doesn't have, um, he says I've got very severe, serious problems with alcohol. My own girlfriend is going to stand by me and stay with me. She knows it was not me that night, it was me under a horrible influence. Miss Fidge lives with her family in Paddock Wood. The family declined to comment last night, which is nice. And last night, he declined to comment when he returned home with Mummy in her black Porsche. His father, Timothy, is understood to be a computer salesman. Are they aware of their son with his very, very, very bad drink problem? As I say, had he forced himself onto her, you would have been looking at rape. It's as simple as that. What a stupid boy you are. Well, when you turn up to work today, they're all going to be pointing and holding up the newspaper article. You're a dodo bird, aren't you? Eighteen past five. Nick Ferrari at breakfast every weekday morning from seven, only on LBC. And this morning, Nick will speak to the British truck driver that was surrounded and attacked by migrants in Calais. How do we solve the Calais problem? And the answer is, why should we solve the Calais problem? Isn't it the French's problem? That's why it's called Calais. If it said Dover, I could understand it. LBC's political editor, Theo Usherwood, uh, finds how easy it is to become an illegal minicab driver. I could be a, an illegal minicab driver. All I've got to do is just get sort of one of those uh, NAF sort of looking cars, get a fakes thing at the back. And cru- we had one this morning cruising in front of us, driving a fairly smart car, and he was cruising the side of the road. He was looking for, um, for passengers, looking for passengers. And um, so that's how easy you can go out there at night. You've only got to be careful that you don't pick up somebody who goes, hello, Uh, take us to, how much would that cost? And you then go, if you're illegal, uh, 20 quid. And they go, you're under arrest. You know, and that's when you know that they're taking your car away from you and you're going to court. Okay, be warned. They're out there. They've been out there for the last week uh, catching illegal minicab drivers. Uh, Nick will be speaking to Corrie legend Michael Lavelle after the soaps creator Tony Warren passed away yesterday. And Tom Bauer, author of the new book Broken Vows, Tony Blair, The Tragedy of Power, is in to review the papers for today. And it will all hinge around the footballer, I'm thinking, and the, uh, and the sentence. That's whatever he's going to be talking about uh, today. Here's the story. Of the ca- I've got to bring you this story, of the cabbie, because it's quite an interesting one. This is a guy called Dennis Street. Uh, he's a taxi driver. And he was flagged down by two pedestrians in the pouring rain, so he thought he'd do a good deed. They hadn't booked, but he gave them a quick lift a mile down the road and charged them £2.30. That's when it all went wrong, because as you know you have to get into a pre-booked car. You are not allowed to get into any car that you've hailed down or flagged. And he thought, because it was the pouring rain, he was doing a good deed. Unfortunately, it was to be his downfall. He was shocked when they revealed themselves to be undercover police officers operating a sting against rogue taxis in Oldham. It was at that moment his heart must have dropped to his boots. He was dragged before the courts for illegally picking up passengers without prior booking, had his licence revoked and was forced to sell his taxi firm. But now, after a year-long court battle, the father of three has won his appeal against the decision. Yesterday, Mr Street, who has been left £7,000 out of pocket, said, I felt so stupid for making that mistake by picking them up. But those officers, in effect, forced... That onto me, whilst they should have been out there trying to catch real criminals. I wouldn't have picked them up if one of them hadn't been standing in the middle of the road, waving his arms around. I had to stop for him, and it was entrapment, plain and simple. Makes me wonder, why are people like that? I did the guys a favour. It was a split-second decision, and now i had been punished for being nice. I just said, oh, get in, get out of the rain. After the incident, he was given six points on his licence, and fined for six points on his licence, (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) Don't ever go up there. Where is this Oldham? Ghastly place. Ghastly place. Uh, He was convicted of picking up a passenger without a prior booking. It is illegal, as you know, either here or wherever, for private hire drivers to accept passengers who have not pre-booked the taxi because the driver is not insured. Only hackney cabs are insured to pick up fares from the streets. Oldham Council's licensing committee then banned Mr Street from driving taxis, which meant that he was uh, forced to sell his firm streetcars, which employed 11 staff. Anyway, he has won back his licence after 180 people across Oldham sent in character references, describing him as an icon in the town. The 13-month battle has cost him seven grand and a huge rise in his insurance premium. His lawyer said it was a single, solitary mistake made by someone who thought he was helping. If there is a lesson to be learnt, it has been learnt. It's been a year from hell for him. This is one of the good guys you have before you. And so, finally, they've uh, they've relented. What a ghastly bunch on Oldham Council, aren't they? Boo! Boo you! Horrible. Oldham Council said special constables were in operation because we had numerous complaints that there were private hire drivers operating in the area, picking people up, who were not pre-booked. This kind of operation happens a few times each year. It is not trying to catch people out. We're trying to see if people are complying with the law and making sure they are doing so. Yes. So there you go. But, uh, all's well that ends well, so well done to Dennis Street. But uh, a year out, and uh, seven grand out of pocket, all over, stopping in the rain. Perhaps he should have run them over. Perhaps that would have been easier, standing in the middle of the road. You know, standing in the middle of the road. But it's like, you know, I get it. Of course, ordering a cab on Uber counts as pre-booking. Does it? Oh, right. I've never been in an Uber car. I've never been in one. Although I had a row with my driver this morning, because he was late. Booked for quarter past two. He turns up half past and so I, he became a little bit aggressive, actually, which I wasn't very uh, very happy with. Because uh, the first thing I said was, I said, you're, you're late. I said, this is quarter past two. How, he say half past, and he drags his phone and sort of throws it at me as if to say, look, it says half past. I, mean, I said, I couldn't say it, care less what it says. I said, this is my account. You know, I'm the account holder. I'm telling you it's booked for quarter past two. I was there when we did the thing to send off to them. But uh, and I felt like saying to him, why would I want it for half past? I have to start work at three o'clock in the morning, for goodness sake. So dumb, some of these people. Whatever happened to the customer is always right. Goes out the window, doesn't it, really? Goes out the window. Uh, what else do we get in the papers today? Apart from the footballer and pages and pages of pages, you're going to be finding uh, stories with the wag who stood by him and then didn't stand by him and has now said we're still going to be friends. Um, he'll go to prison for how long, we don't know. He'll then come out of prison uh, to nothing. Nowhere to live, no ink. 60 grand a week he's thrown away. Honestly, just for that, for that moment for that moment of, you know, I mean, I, I begin to wonder, and I bet, it, I bet you anything, within five years, less than five years, that girl will be identified. She said she couldn't go out, she felt awful, whereas, in fact, she's not been identified. Um, I know that there are pictures on the internet, uh, because somebody showed me one a short while ago and said, oh, that's the girl. I said, well, where did that come from? And they said, oh, it came from friend of friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of a, a friend. And um, he always knew that she was 15, but it's a case of if somebody is a big fan, you know, and they practically throw themselves at you. I know it's, it's completely wrong, but he is, I suppose, human and weak. But, um, you know, he's thrown away everything. Absolutely everything. He's thrown away his child. He's thrown away his, uh, his, um, his sort of money. He's thrown away his career. Where does he work now? He's forever going to be known as that pervert Adam Johnson, you know, and it's, it's going to be very difficult but there again, there'll be those people listening who go, well, you know, good. It should be difficult for him. You know, she's also been, been traumatised by it. I don't know how that affects people. I, don't, I mean, I, I really don't know. I've got no idea of anything like that at all. But they do say that he used to access hardcore porn on his phone and used to show it to his, you know, fellow teammates and girls that he'd spoken to and stuff like that. But, you know, he's, uh, he's a normal person. I say normal. He's normal in so much as he's easily led. Very easily led. But I don't think it's going to be ten years. I really don't think it's going to be ten years. Uh, I mean, if anybody listening has heard the victim's name, you know it is illegal to write it on Twitter or anything like that. The courts will come down like a tonne of bricks on you. Seriously, a tonne of bricks. So she's not to be identified. And I don't think she has been. I think everybody's been, been really good about it. But I bet you in a few years' time she'll be giving an interview on I Was That Girl and how it's changed my life. Because, you know... Things happen, don't they? Things change. Remember the teacher who went away with the young girl and then they, they sort of ran away because she was young and because she was impressionable. Then it all finished and then she went back with him and then it finished and so it went on because people are young. When people are young, they've got different emotions. It's like playing rugby. Playing rugby, they're now saying that experts want to ban on tackles in the under-18s rugby. But, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, what a load of old rugby balls this turns out to be. It's ridiculous. What are we going to do? Go, oh, you can't do that. You might hurt yourself. Well, let's also ban high jump, long jump, hurdles, climbing up ropes in the gymnasium, anything at all. Who are these PC killjoys? Who are this bunch of, of dimwits who go, well, you can't do that. You Hurt themselves. You know, ridiculous. Oh, goodness sake, honestly. Good bit of falling over in rugby and breaking your wrist a few times. Par for the course, it? LBC News Time, five thirty. Latest headline: Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. Certainly, it's nice to be company. Thursday morning, third of March. Let me just put the, the record straight: The Foo Fighters are not splitting up. Okay, There's, I mean, I only mention this because it started infiltrating. Uh, the internet and the Foo Fighters have, uh, they're a group by the way, it's a little beat combo, they've had to issue a statement saying we're not splitting up, nobody's going solo their language was a little bit riper than mine and uh, they have to keep reiterating because somebody keeps saying oh the Foo Fighters are splitting up, I'm assuming they must have an album out or something, try and get some, they're not splitting up nobody's going solo, okay end of story, please don't mention it ever again thank you very much indeed and I'm well aware and everybody keeps telling me that Gino De Campo was convicted of burglary together with a gang, he broke in to Singapore Young's house, and he served uh, a prison sentence. But then, I suppose that comes down to that question, doesn't it? Do you then say, because he served a prison sentence, he's obviously a tea leaf, does that stay with him for the rest of his life? Or, once you've served your prison sentence, we then go, OK, he was in prison, that was when he was young and reckless, and that, do, you, do you just leave it at that? I don't know. I mean, I do remember... <laughs> can't tell you who... Can I tell you who... I can't remember. It, it would be very similar... If sort of Gino De Campo walked into this morning's sort of studio and uh, Holly's sitting there or there's a guitar there and she goes, "Oh, Gino's coming in, hide, hide the guitar, hide the guitar. That, that would be quite funny. I did have somebody who went on to a television programme uh, where the host had been uh, found in possession of booze that they hadn't paid for. And the guest, who was a comedian, was going to say, uh, it's been lovely talking to you. And wait a minute, my wallet's gone. Where's my wallet? Where's my wallet? Give it back. And I said, you didn't do that, did you? And he said, no. He said, but I was sorely tempted to. Because I don't know whether or not, if, if somebody's been in prison uh, for thieving and Gino De Campo was convicted of burgling the house of Paul Young, um, I wonder really, is that as bad as, you know, somebody who's been in, you know, for a motoring offence? I don't know what, what the level of you just go, oh, well, that was different, wasn't it? You know, times were different. He was young. He was reckless. He got in with the wrong crowd. Now he's, Now he's sort of cooking for a living. Does it make any difference? Does it? I mean, every so often it, it sort of rears its ugly head, doesn't it? And people say, ah, you know, are you aware that, you know, he had, Of course I'm aware of it. I'm in radio, for goodness sake. Uh, James says, uh, I voted for you on the Radio Times website. He said, uh, love the show. Always there for the spike. He says, I know of a fake beggar making up to £400 a day. Pfft, nothing. There was a couple of Romanian gypsies who were begging. They would fly over on £38 flights they made £800 in a day between the two of them and one beggar one beggar wait for this. this this is about as good as it gets he's got his own chip and pin machine you can make a donation to him with chip and pin he's got a little, a little card carrying machine he puts your card in taps in you know 20 quid and you then put your and he gets 20 quid these people are crooks I've warned you, do not give any money to beggars on the street, especially those with dogs or animals. I don't think anything else apart from animals, do they? Uh, so, you know, you've just got to be very, very careful. Uh, I reckon, says Paul, there are more injuries to children from playing on swings than in rugby, so therefore do we abolish all playgrounds? Well, they ha- did you notice when they put in playgrounds now, they have to put down this soft, spongy matting or felling that bark so that if you fall, you don't hurt yourself. I don't quite understand how that works. I mean, everything is dangerous, isn't it? You know, jumping into a swimming pool. If it was too cold, couldn't jump into a swimming pool. When I watched the, uh, the thing splash, that used to freak me out completely. I couldn't ever do anything like that. Apart from that, I look, I look ridiculous in a pair of Speedos. I would, I would look absolutely ridiculous. So, I, mean, I, I, I didn't want to do things like that. Uh, Stephen Fry, 58, moving to uh, Los Angeles with his boyfriend. Aspiring comedian, Elliot Spencer. Don't you love that? Uh, what are you, dear? Uh, aspiring comedian. Right. Anybody ever seen you be funny? No, I don't think so. So perhaps you'll just be aspiring for some time. I like the story about the the Scottish who could retire two years before the English uh, because they've got poorer health. They always look sickly, don't they, the Scottish, if you notice. Is it the weather? I mean, they do. They look pale. You don't ever see sort of health unless they're sort of big and they're tossing the caber at the Highland Games and things like that. The rest of them just look a bit feeble. I mean, I speak as somebody who has worked in, in and amongst the community of Scottish people down here. And it's nice, you know, you go out with them, but, but no, no table manners. No table manners. They don't grab the food off. They're eating hunks of chicken. It's like being back in, you know, Scots were we Wallace bled. And, uh, and it's, I mean, it's quite nice. And don't get me wrong, I have been to the Highlands. The bus was reinforced, uh, you know, the windows and everything else. And we had armed guards. But apart from that, it was fun. I love it. The old Trossachs can't stop me. I tell you, when once I get up there, I've stayed in Edinburgh. I've been in Glasgow many, many times. I've stayed in different sort of places. Actually, Glasgow was City of Culture. It's lovely. Very nice. And uh, Edinburgh, full of Americans, all buying kilts. It's very nice indeed. Uh, You can't understand a word they say, not a word. It's lovely. And uh, don't forget, uh, on that subject, Alex Salmon, back with Ian Dale next Wednesday. And uh, it's, it's, it's worth a listen. You can also catch it. It's in Vision as well. You get it in Vision on the LBC websites, which is lovely. Uh, do you know what a teaspoon of sugar is? Oh, I didn't know what a teaspoon... I, I made a big mistake yesterday. I went to Waitrose, otherwise known as Let's Wait Shall We by the Graveside, because they're so slow on the tills. There's no rush for anybody who works on the tills in Waitrose. I mean, I've seriously grown beards waiting to get through the checkout. Yeah. And I bought, and I shouldn't have done, fooled to myself, a box of crunchy nut cornflakes. Now, crunchy nut cornflakes with ice-cold milk are possibly the nicest thing, but they're full of sugar. But I was tempted by the fact they've come down in price to pound fifty-seven, And so I, bought, so I stagger home with this huge box, only to discover that the milk in the fridge is two days out of date. And if there's one thing you don't want, it's out of date milk. So I've got to go out today and go buy some milk, and then I'm going to remonstrate with myself to whether or not I do eat crunchy nut cornflakes. Being a fully-fledged diabetic, I shouldn't really. I shouldn't really. I did have yesterday, though, rice pudding. Little, and it's really bad, but it's delicious. Oh, God, it was delicious. I can't tell you how delicious. There's something about rice and cream. The combination seems to work perfectly. And I slept okay. Normally, if I'm sort of way, way over with my sugar, I always, normally have a, a dreadful night's sleep. But actually, I was all right with, uh, with that so we'll have to wait and see but crunchy nut cornflakes pardon me the worst thing I could ever have the worst thing oh no I've had worse things Uh, so for every mum who's put up with the disapproving looks while breastfeeding and you know that we try not to talk about breastfeeding because people get up in arms about breastfeeding because you have people sitting in the window of Starbucks, you know, and it's, it's obviously a certain sort of person... Here we go. the certain sort of person who wants to get their breasts out because they go, the kid wants feeding, and so you've got to do it. And you always think, you know... And people say, uh, well, you shouldn't do it in public. You should go and hide away and do it somewhere, you know, as if it was sort of wrong. It's not wrong. I never, ever thought it was wrong. I just worry about the sort of people coming into the country at the moment who might not be used to seeing somebody with their breasts out feeding somebody. It's like, I remember there was a story in uh, the Diabetics uh, magazine that we get... Uh, saying that uh, a young man had been asked to uh, leave a restaurant because he injected at the table. But, in fact, if you inject... I've seen people doing it on the train. They're doing it through through their jeans. I was with uh, a group of people in a cocktail bar in London about three months ago, and the guy at the next table got his needle out and injected himself in the arm, which I thought was a bit unusual, because I've never injected in my arm at all. You're supposed to... Well, I always thought you were supposed to. Top of the legs and your tummy, either side of your belly button. But uh, he did it in his arm. And uh, but this this particular boy was made to feel awful about it, and and was told, you know, you shouldn't be injecting in here, as if it was something, you know, disgusting. You don't see anything. You could literally lift up the side. I could do it here during the program. Lift up the side of my shirt, push push the needle in. Do, do mind you, nobody would be any the wiser. Wouldn't make any difference apart from the fact you hear me going, ow. Because it normally hurts. I'm terrible, honestly. I seem to hit veins left, right and (laughs) centre. I'm the world's worst person at doing it. Everybody else does injections really well. Steve Allen, rubbish. Absolute rubbish at doing (laughs) injections. Can't help it now. Uh, Julie is really fed up. She's got this flu virus. Uh, Luckily, she said the hearing's okay, and I do get to hear you, but I've got no voice. Imagine what a disaster that would be for me. Imagine. Bliss for some people, I should imagine. Oh, look, Steve Allen's lost his voice. That was the only time when I got the cough. Do you remember? The cough. And then I was talking to Sheila Fogarty. I'm in her good books. Because when we had the meeting the other day, she came up. She's had this cough. Now, on her programme, she's OK. Because if she gets a caller on or something like that, she can push the cough button, which turns effectively the mic off. And then you could have a little cough. On my programme, I can't do that. I've got to wait until the adverts come up every sort of 10, 12 minutes or I get a break for the news or the travel. And uh, so when I developed the cough, and it must have been about about two years ago, I think now, I don't know where it came from. I know that it was the worst thing I'd ever had, not because it made me feel bad. It's just that I couldn't stop coughing. And it got so, so bad, the boss went, you've got to take a couple of days off, Steve. Because it, was, it, sort of, it affects the way that people listen to a programme. And I, I quite agreed. It's just that I, I don't like taking time off. I, I really don't. Somebody says, oh, so-and-so stood in for you. Did you listen? No, I didn't. You know, I couldn't bear the idea of listening to somebody else trying to do my programme, because it's my programme. And so this cough thing, and then Sheila said she had it, and I produced a bottle of ice-cold water. Well, the look of happiness on her face, ladies and gentlemen. You know, you, you couldn't wipe the smile off it. She was very, very happy and very, very pleased. Because so, uh, I know exactly how she was feeling. And it was pretty rubbish. Did I mention the Foo Fighters are not splitting up? thought I'd mention it every five minutes. I have to do this, actually, now. Because people then write in and go, did you mention the Foo Fighters? Yes, they're not splitting up. They've done a thing on their website, they're not splitting up, nobody's going solo, nothing. Okay. Not that it affects anybody listening to LBC. I can't imagine anybody in LBC calling round their friends going, Steve Allen just said the Foo Fighters are not splitting up. You know, that's going to be a a major talking point later on today. But the man who hid under his granny's kitchen table and dreamt up Coronation Street has just died. Tony Warren uh, was as camp as a Christmas tree, but he dreamt up possibly one of the best soaps that we're ever likely to get. And it's been going for so long. And when you remember Annie Walker, terribly posh behind the bar, she used to call Ken Barlow Kenneth. Oh, Kenneth, Kenneth, would you like a drink? It was all terribly sophisticated in those days. Ina Sharples, Minnie Caldwell, and of course, Albert Tatlock. Who could forget those stall And the only one who's still alive, still alive, is Ken Barlow. Ken Roach is still alive and was in from... I think practically day one, that uh, they were going to call it, was it, I think when it started, Florizel Street. That's what they thought of, Florizel, and then it came down to Coronation Street. It was tragedy, but as mundane as a boiled egg. There was nothing really that went on. It involved them all sitting in the Rovers Return, having a, an ale or a stout, and that was, and that was about it. It was, it was a, a kitchen sink drama set between a house and the pub. And it's not changed, really, except there are more and more characters. And I think that Tony Warren got his MBE some years ago, and he went with Julie Goodyear, who was mad as a broomstick. She was mad as a broomstick. Uh, They tried to get her back into the programme, but she'd lost uh, any sort of... Um, I can't remember what the, what the word is. Whatever it was, she had oh, that's right, confidence. She had loads of confidence when she did it. Then going back years later, she couldn't remember lines and couldn't deliver them, and it was it was a bit difficult. But again, she was part of Coronation Street. Like when Tiffany left East Enders, people remember when things happened in Coronation Street. When Emily Bishop's husband Stephen got shot in a bodged raid, and uh, and when you know people died, Betty in her hot pot. You remember certain things. And Tony Warren came up with this, and it was such a simple concept. Trying to get it underway, of course, was slightly problematical. But you'll be reading all about it. There is a great book on Coronation Street. I've got a fantastic book at home, which somebody sent me about 20 years ago. And it's the history of Coronation Street. Uh, But in it are are little pages with little inserts. So if there was a letter from, say, Ken Barlow to Ina Sharples, they've got a duplicate of it in there. It's got all these little... So each page holds something different, some little piece of memorabilia. Not, Not genuine but sort of made up for the purposes of the book. It's like, I've got a beautiful book, uh, which was to celebrate Siegfried and Roy in Las Vegas and their magical shows over there. And I've got a piece, with each book came all the DVDs of the shows and their history and their photographs and everything else, but a piece of the canopy that was over the theatre, and they cut it up afterwards, and each book, so I bought two, like you do, uh, $600 each. I don't know what I bought two for. Don't ask me. I always think maybe one, one to read and one to, uh, to hang on to for future... Things. I do the same with Stife. I buy Stife animals and stuff like that. Not a huge amount. Not a huge... I don't want anybody thinking I've got, like, sort of a garage full of them. I haven't. But it's, uh, it's just nice to have, because you think they only go up in price. So I've got Winnie the Pooh, Paddington Bear. Paddington Bear sold out ages ago and is now going for serious money. Mine hasn't even been taken out of the box. Still sitting there, so... Mind you, not much used to you when you're alive, is it, really, I suppose? Not much used to you when you're dead. It's uh, 14 to 6. Steve Allen on LBC. Text 84850. Morning everybody, 10 to 6, it's the time, and uh, as we race through March, and we really are, don't forget Mother's Day on Sunday, I only mention it doesn't make any difference to many of you probably, and if you don't talk to your family, well it saved you a small fortune, but already there's, uh, I mean you can't move in some of the supermarkets for Easter eggs, they're everywhere, every conceivable size, shape, cost, different chocolate, white chocolate, dark chocolate, chocolate with salt, chocolate with, really how people keep up with it, I've got no idea. It's very confusing, but on, uh, on Easter Egg Day, that's what we call it now, isn't it? It's Easter Sunday, Easter Egg Day, and that's where you'd get up and you'd go, wow, and you'd, and I remember opening Easter eggs with such amazing aplomb. I, would, I could open an Easter egg with one hand, and you'd open it, and they'd go, and this is a Smarty Easter egg, and you'd, and you'd crack open the thing, and there would be a little packet inside of Smarties, and that was it. Some of the ones with chocolates. sometimes you could open up the egg, and it would be chocolate, but the packaging on Easter eggs is terrible. One of them, it's sort of two half shells, and one of them's got got the chocolates in a little thing, and the other side is just half an egg. But the box is amazing. And people spend a fortune, you know, eggs that cost £60. £60. But you've got to get them because the kids want them. I've got Easter eggs in the car. They're little tiny chicks, and there's a pack of them. They sort of make it. It's quite nice, actually, in uh, in Costco, and I, I quite like those. I'm not really a big chocolate eater. I have eaten chocolate, quite clearly, but I'm I'm not really a chocolate person at all. I'm far more savoury. Uh, so, what do we leave our desks for? They say here, three or four only ever leave the desk for tea or the loo. Well, I suspect nowadays in companies, it's probably cigarette breaks as well. And, and there was always an argument, wasn't there, for people who don't smoke. You know, do I get extra time off because I've stayed at my desk working, whereas people who smoke go outside, probably in the course of a day, what, six times, you think? Seven times for a cigarette? Added up, it, it adds up to quite a bit. And so the people who don't smoke have always said, um, you know, but, do, you know, can I go home early? Because I haven't taken any time off. These people have taken loads of time off. Perhaps there should be something. There's that uh, company that, was it Nick Ferrari, talked about the other day, that if women are going through that, that time of the month, they, they get time off as well. But uh, they say you only ever leave your desk for tea or the loo. Seems fair enough, doesn't it? It's much if you're diabetic, you spend most of your time in the loo. Uh, Phil Vickery reckons rice pudding chilled with thick cream. Oh, it was del- this one was delicious yesterday. I had two little ones, they're only small, and, and I put them in my halogen oven. Oh, they were delicious. Absolutely, de- I'm really. Delicious. And I'm being particularly lazy this week. Particularly lazy. We've only recorded, I might as well tell you now, we've only recorded one in conversation and that's Sir Ranul Fiennes, which is a super interview. It really is. If You know, he's, he's such an interesting man. Such an interesting man. And we had a, a really, really nice time. So that'll be running this Sunday. And I think... They're waiting to find out a little bit later on today because um, we've had a couple drop out people through through this lurgy. Everybody's got this lurgy at the moment. So people are dropping out left, right and centre. So we might have to bring Alid Jones forward again. Another cracking interview. Seriously. And I saw him yesterday. He was on the television with uh, with Emma Bunton. Uh, Steve, uh, Anne-Marie says you're very funny. Make me laugh, which is good. Uh, Andy's a haemophiliac in Hammersmith. He said, I voted for you. He said, i always thought you have the most good-looking voice on radio. Yes, this, this voting for is, and I don't want to mention it any, anymore, but it's, it's not to do with personality or anything else. It's to do with voice. Voice, You're voting for voice. Ben says, I feel sorry for the 15-year-old victim of Adam Johnson. People abuse her via social media and sick, sick chance at football grounds. Listen, it's going to be the same for anybody. You know, that's what you're getting. Hopefully things are going to change uh, quite quickly because they've now said that internet trolls will be targeted and they will get them into court. And I've always said to anybody, doesn't matter who you are, if you've been targeted by an internet troll, you go to the police. The police can issue a warning. If they break that warning, they're into court straight away. It's a very simple, straightforward process and you embarrass them. You name and shame. Name and shame, that's what you have to do. So, Ben, yeah, she knows what she has to do, but the trouble is the moment she then goes public is the moment she's then identifiable. So, uh, that would never be. Uh, Gemma Collins, Steve, 32, 32 stone, more likely. She celebrated her 35th birthday in the uh, the house. Yeah, she's just been labelled the biggest liar, Nick, in, uh, in Essex. Because she causes trouble, because she's such a depressingly you know, awful person that she decides that by taking the mickey out of everybody else's life it kind of works for her Uh, James says, if the palace came calling with a gong for a lifetime of radio services would you accept it? No No, that makes it sound a lifetime of radio services the people have been in the business longer than I have probably not on the same station for as long as I have Uh, I like the idea, says Wendy dog rescues with Alan Davis oh, don't you just fall in love with animals all over again. That's why I never understand how people can abuse animals. But uh, two dogs, eventually. Because they, the RSPCA have to go round and go, listen, if you can't look after them, we, we can look after them. They take them in. They cl- Some of these animals, they just don't look after them. Just dreadful. And then they get them rehomed. They've got old food and rubbish. Dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. Stuart said, if they ban tackling in school rugby, we'll all be wondering why the national team is at the bottom of the pile in a few years. yes. Daryl says, put them in a small bowl. That way you feel like you're eating more. This is my crunchy nut cornflakes. Margaret's in Greenwich. I love Greenwich, actually. It's a nice place to live, isn't it? That is a nice place to live. And uh, don't forget, says Chris in Ottershaw, Martha Longhurst. Oh, I don't know, Ina. They were all like this. <coughs> I'm old enough to remember the first Coronation Streets as Tony Warren dies. Uh, you know, the man who came up with it and uh, beautifully too Uh, off to a school reunion last week says Shane the Train, everybody looks so old I know, isn't that worse? You go to a school reunion and, and you go, hello, I have no idea who these people are. So they give you badges when you go... I've never been to one because I went to so many different schools. They, they, they were good. My parents said they were good. I knew that because it said approved on the top of the form, so I knew it was a, it was a good school. And, uh, but I wouldn't recognise anybody from my, my classes at all now because you only remember them as the image you have in your mind and the image you have is of that time when you're 15 years old. I can't remember anybody. I had a, a friend called Trevor... I can't remember anybody, it's awful really isn't it when you think back and I have been back to where I last went to school and now it's co-ed it's a sports college my place, it used to be an all boys school they used to have boys school, and we were at the sort of top of the hill bottom of the hill was the grammar school grammar grubs we called them, we never liked them uh, they were always very, sick. my brother went to the grammar school I didn't, I went to the sec mod at the top, but I didn't care you know, managed to get myself a job on the radio. Can't be too bad, can it? But uh, but you go back there now and you look at it and you think, I recognise. I can remember going to the house. I can remember when the nurse used to come round. do do that coughing thing for us boys. And um, But I couldn't tell you anybody in my class. If they showed me a... P- I wonder if you can go onto websites. There must be, you know, old boy. But, of course, I didn't get to be old boy. I left at 15. So I probably don't even feature in any of those. I don't remember having a school photograph taken. But there must be one. Mustn't there somewhere? I'll just have to go back and try and find out, actually. So, uh, Shane the Train, he says, uh, says i decided to make butterscotch tart on Sunday. Oh, God, he said, with custard. So lovely. An actual old-school favourite. Do we have that? No, we had treacle tart. Ugh, disgusting. Hated it. Hated it. Uh, 84850. Dan says, when you say Gemma Collins is the biggest liar in Essex, is that by the amount she tells or circumference? Um, <laughs> possibly both, Dan. Possibly both. I think, and um, uh, off to Berlin, says Joe, can my friend Kate and I be excused for the next four days? We will make it up by podcasting the programme. Oh, Listen, you have to podcast the programme. I don't accept anybody going we're off to Berlin for a few days. Have you downloaded the LBC app? I only say that because it means you can listen to it over there. You don't need to podcast, you can hear it live. Just go to the LBC website, download the LBC app, free, free. Uh, Emma says you'll enjoy speaking to Sir Ranulph Fiennes. Oh, I've done it. We recorded him um, two days ago. Oh, he was lovely. Absolutely charming. Early in the morning. Came in here about 9.35, I think. And uh, he was lovely. Absolutely charming. So you'll hear him this weekend. He's very good. Phil Vickery says, Gypsy Tart. Is that what it's called? Gypsy Ugh, horrible, he said. I don't know why we had it. Why do we have Treacle Tart? Is Gypsy Tart, is it? Oh, right. I didn't like any of our puddings. The The one I hated the most was Semolina. Ugh semolina, frog spawn. hated it, no that was tapioca wasn't it that was equine, that's gypsy tart is it oh god, a gypsy tart a tart made of evaporated milk muscovada sugar, although some varieties include light brown sugar, most specifically it originates from the county of Kent most specifically Sheppey oh really, oh right so there you go, oh looks horrid doesn't it and uh, you can do it with condensed milk In fact, I used to love condensed milk condensed milk or evaporated milk <laughs> So there you go. That's Gypsy Tart. Mainly associated with school dinners. Why Gypsy? I don't understand. I'm I'm surprised nobody's complained about it up until now. But it's just pastry, evaporated milk or condensed milk, muscovado or brown sugar. And that's it. And it originated in Kent. Got a lot to answer for, Kent. You really have. Um, 84850, steve dot uk. It's amazing how many people are doing school reunions. I don't think I'd want to go to one, actually. Hilda Ogden. Oh, well, I ruled the world. She was good, wasn't she? She was very, very good. No wonder, says Phil. I've got fillings. I know you and me together. I used to go to the, uh, the and he said the chemist. I used to go to the dentist, and they go, okay, Stephen, and you leave. Oh, I hated the dentist, and he pushes little needle in, and you think the moment it goes in a bit, you think, oh dear, that'll be a filling. And yet, I knew a girl. I worked with a girl in a shop. Big girl she was, and she ate sweets every day. Not one filling, nothing, not one filling. My friend Paul Cooper had two. He's got one, one today. Uh, root canals. Oh, my least favourite thing to have done in the chemist. Oh, sorry, it's made my mouth go all fally there. Uh, the only place you get a bit of peace nowadays it's the bathroom. So, nip off there for a minute and I'll be back with you after the latest news. I'm Steve Allen. It's early breakfast. It's the 3rd of March. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Text 84850 Tweet at LBC Morning everybody, do not, do not, do not give money to beggars The majority of them are fraudsters One even pretends to be an ex-armed forces person He has never been in the forces He's a crook, he uh, operates down at Western Supermare. His name is Stuart Fenton And people hand over money to him, thinking he's really an ex-soldier Another one drives a £40,000 Audi Uh, He claims he's had death threats Many of these people are crooks One woman claimed that she was begging after work so she could get a kitchen rebuilt. Do not give money to beggars. And that's the advice from the police. The disgraced footballer Adam Johnson faces years in prison, the collapse of a career, and uh, the tributes flooding in for the Coronation Street creator, Tony Warren, who has just died. All of that, and uh, the lad of eight accused of being radicalised, and uh, the snowy blast causing chaos. Because what have we got at the moment? It's Storm. Where are we up to at the moment? I can't remember. We were having a debate the other day, a heated debate on what the next storm is going to be. It goes boy, girl, boy, girl, boy, boy, girl. So at the moment it's girl. So the next one. We're on Jake. Oh, sorry. So it's girl at the moment. So it's boy at the moment, Jake. And so the next one will begin with K. So we were having a discussion. Would it be Storm Kate? I don't know when we've started naming them. And uh, I. Because I thought it would be Kevin. Storm Kevin sounded uh, quite, quite likely. Oh, you have the answer to what it's going to be already. Really? Oh, I might be winning some money on this one. Here we go. So, the next one. So, we've got... We're up to Jake. Oh, the, oh we know what they're all going to be, do we? Oh, good Lord. The next one is Katie. Now, you see, I, I'm trying to win money on this one. I might have to change that today from Kevin to Katie. I might actually have a guess at the L one, which is going to be Lawrence, Mary, Nigel. We couldn't work out what O would be. That's Orla. Storm Orla. Phil... Sorry, Phil. Uh, Rhonda, help me, Rhonda. Ste- oh, look, Storm Steve. Hey, look at that. Must be my year. Storm Tegan. That's a very odd name, isn't it? Storm Fern. That's one you need to steer steer clear off, says Phil. Storm Fern. No, but we do get a storm. Um, a storm. What do we got? We got Storm Steve, Storm Vernon, and uh, and Storm Wendy. Is that, the, is that as far as we... A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P... Where's the Q? There's no U, no Q, is there? And no X, Y, is it? What a shame, but there, is a, but there is definitely a Vernon and a Phil. And a Steve! Look at that! We've got, we've got our own things here, Phil. He said, we used to have Huffkins, a sort of soft roll for our sandwiches... Oh I don't know actually. A storm? Oh right, Huffkins. Anybody have heard of Huffkins? I've never heard of Huffkins. I'm I'm really I don't know these sort of things. Uh he says I bet there's no Storm Gary. Um Gary, Gary, Gary No, Gertrude <laughs> came That's an odd one, isn't it? Gertrude. That's that's a very uh, a very old fashioned name, ladies and gentlemen. Gertrude. I quite like it. But I think it would it would say, wouldn't it, somebody's age. If you said, you know, Gertrude, somebody say, well, that's not going to be a, a young person, is it, nowadays? I don't think so. Uh, what, and when it finishes, it then swaps around, so the boy ones become girl ones, so the girl ones become boy ones. It's good, isn't it? Emily Bishop's husband was Ernest Bishop, says Ken. Yes, I know, Stephen was his real name. Killed in the, They're only actors, you know, they're not real people. I don't want you to think that Coronation Street really exists, because, uh, because it doesn't. Uh, well done, says Sam. He says, on the Radio Times voice selection, he said, said, I hope you'll be at the top of the voice list. Oh, listen, there's all sorts of people there. All sorts of people on the list. Far, far better known than I have. Far better voices. But it's not, thank God it's not based on personality. I, I wouldn't even have made it onto the list. Lots of people off to school reunions, including Noreen. Six years ago, met up with one girl I'd not seen for 50 odd years. And we've now become great friends. Speak several times a week on the phone and meet up every few weeks. She lives near Colchester. Her husband and Brian get on very well. Do try one. Yeah, I I wouldn't know anybody. And also at my age, you know, I think I would be like, Shane, you go there and you go, they're all so old. Because bearing in mind, some people would have aged worse than others. And I like to think to myself, which is wrong, you know, I mean, you know, that I I would look fairly young. But of course, probably to (laughs) them. Probably look really old. <laughs> never works like that, does it? Uh, away for a sixties weekend. The forecast is dreadful for the drive on Friday, says Noreen. And we've got loads of listeners who have uh, got the Lurgy. Patsy, Shelley, Julie, Janice, to name a through. Uh, name a few. <laughs> name a through. And love to Linda, a massive fan who never misses a second of the show, which is lovely. So thank you for that. I like people who don't miss a second of the show. It seems a bit pointless, doesn't it, if you do miss a second of the show, because then you have to go back and podcast. But I I like you podcasting as well. But please don't give money to beggars. Most of them are crooks. They sit there. You've only got to look at the state of them to realise that they're they're just begging. They're taking money. As I say, they've been um, exposed in the papers today and even the charities have said, listen, do not give money to these people. You're not helping a situation. These people aren't homeless. They are not sitting there and then sleeping on the streets. 99% of them have homes to go to. You know, the one here, who's the ex paris Stuart Fenton, is is an out-and-out liar. He's never been in the uh, in. It turned out that his, uh, he actually claimed he'd served in the army for twelve years, and so he's got a handwritten sign. In fact, his story was so convincing, a former Grenadier guard launched a public appeal for him. But it turns out he's living in social housing and receiving a range of taxpayer-funded benefits. Anyway, he got a 16-week suspended jail term after admitting fraud by misrepresentation. There are loads of them. Loads of them. He claimed he was part of the Royal Horse Artillery, but the housing officer looked at his background and discovered that uh, he's a liar. He's a liar. He turned up in court. These people are liars. Don't give to anybody. In London, Western... Super, Wherever you are in the country, do not give to them. You want to give, go and give to a charity. Don't give to people sitting by a cash flow with these plaintive little voices. I don't. Uh, Brian at Twickenham station. He says uh, he sent me a video clip, actually. Good piece of memorabilia for Twickenham. The flying Scotsman preparing for the USA on YouTube. Trains. Trains. Love it. Kevin the Milton says poor old Jackie Steve sitting there in Paddock Wood in sunny Kent getting the blame for everything. (laughs) Everybody remembering Hilda Ogden from Coronation Street. I remember her singing and the flying ducks she had on the wall. We all remember things like that, don't we? It's one of the things you remember. And um, uh, George, the Warburton's driver, says, I voted for you, thank you. Kevin says, there is a Storm Kevin every month. Usually coincides with the bank statement. Uh, Norman says, uh, sorry, uh, Jamie, is there a Storm Norm? No, there isn't. I'll give you the names. Abigail Barney, Cloda, Desmond, Eva, Storm Frank gertrude henry imogen jake which is what the one we've got at the moment katie then there's lawrence mary nigel all of phil ronda steve tegan vernon and wendy and that's it that's that's the list and then we go back to the beginning and we sort of reverse it we reverse it round again which is uh, which is brilliant uh eight for steve at lbc.co.uk i'm watching an armed gang on the television at the moment. Not physically, but they're sort of running into a shop stealing handguns and rifles and everything else. Mate, I don't know where that was, actually. It can't be in this country. There's snow on the ground. Just listening to your show whilst driving to the station, you mentioned rice pudding, Steve. Have you tried Spanish rice pudding? Uh, This is lighter and less stodgy, says Gavin. As for crunchy nut cornflakes, the adverts are right. One bowl is... I know, you cannot just have one bowl, can you? It's like having one Pringle. You can't do that. But, I mean, they're just so full of sugar. It's, that, that's my, my big problem. Uh, the only place you get some peace nowadays is in the bathroom. You just go to the bathroom and you shut the door and you think, oh, thank God for that. If you're living in a big family, it must be a nightmare for you. An absolute nightmare because you're going, will you just be quiet? But I mean, some people like being in big families. Nothing the, with, uh, nothing the matter with that at all. It's just that you do need a bit of peace and quiet. And that time in the bathroom is the time you get all by yourself. Uh, what else do we have in the paper? Oh, Sheridan Smith. Uh, She's pulled out of a West End show. Her father's been diagnosed with cancer. The fans were quick to offer their support. But it appears the producers were less sympathetic. And the 34-year-old star later accused them of pressuring her to perform. Well, because her name's selling tickets. Well, you know, I'm imagining. And uh, anyway, she then suggested she didn't actually have a contract and threatened to take legal action. Writing in a Twitter post that's since been deleted, she went, uh, UK covering your assets, no contract signed or presuming we desperately need you. In, in either way, she then went, see you in court. It's a very odd thing to say, isn't it? I mean, it, perhaps she'd had a few drinks or something. Anyway, she's starring as Fanny Bryce. And then she got news about her father, Colin, who's 79. She said fans could exchange their tickets for another date after the show moves from the Menier Chocolate Factory to the Savoy Theatre. But the production bosses initially said no such deal was in place. Adding further confusion, Miss Smith said she would return to the stage that night but producers later confirmed she wouldn't and said they're going to take each day as it comes. Dear. The producers yesterday agreed to allow fans to exchange tickets. A spokesman said we support Sheridan wholeheartedly. We would never ask for nor expect an artist to perform in this situation. Very odd tweets, though, she was doing. Very strange. I don't understand that one at all. Perhaps she sort of, you know, perhaps it just sort of all got uh, on top of her. Muhammad Ali... When not they calling for a knighthood for him? I don't know why. What do we give knighthoods to, to, to people who have nothing to do with this country? Very odd. Anyway, this was the story that sealed the legend of Muhammad Ali. He returned a light, heavyweight, gold medal-winning hero from the 1960 Olympic Games, but second, after being denied service at a white-only restaurant in Louisville and then harassed by a biker gang, the boxer champion hurled his medal into the Ohio River. Now on the eve of a new exhibition celebrating his life, He has confirmed that it was just made up. It was a tale made up. He lied. Oh, dear. Davis Miller, the co-curator of the I Am The Greatest show at the O2, says he told me the truth about the medal. He said, I never threw no medal in the river. I just lost it. That's it. So if the gold medal story is indeed a myth, it'll be a tad embarrassing for the high-profile figure who, uh, figures who are campaigning for Ali to receive an honorary knighthood. Why would he, g- he's an American, why do we give an honorary knighthood? What would be the point of that, ladies and gentlemen? No point at all. Uh, I ignore Cameron, the scaremongerer. This is Boris Johnson writing to Sun readers, and the headline, which you could only have made up in the Sun, the pedo in his speedos. It's an early picture of disgraced footballer Adam Johnson, and uh, that was the best that they could come up with. So he's uh, he's 28 but this picture I think is taken probably some years ago and we'll wait for sentencing people will be talking about that today on what would be a proper sentence but we'll have to wait for the courts to come back and tell you LBC News Times Steve Allen on LBC text 84850 <laughs> Morning everybody nice to be It's 620 is uh, is the time. Uh, so, what do we have in the papers? We'll do the, I'll do the front pages for you in a moment, just before I quickly mention that uh, Holly went to number 10 the other day, Holly Willa Booby, and uh, luckily for her, the dress had a malfunction. And so that's great. I don't know why she went there. Actually, I can't remember what the what the reason was. But anyway, she had to wrap up because her dress split down the back. You know, you know when you've got these zips that go down the back of dresses, and if you sort of pull, we've all had it. I've, I've got a coat. If you pull in the middle, all of a sudden the zip separates, and you go, oh goodness sake, what are you going to do now? Got to try and pull this. It becomes a nightmare. And so that's that's what uh, that's what she had. That's what she had. Uh, also, no need to uh, to budge up. Britain has become a nation of sofa hogs. You know when you sit. I mean, I, I don't remember it. You know, from my childhood, but I'm sure it must have happened in yours. Well, you're sitting there and your mum goes, budge up. Come on, shove up. Room room for a little one. And you used to go, OK, right. And so you shove people up, there. And you? All of a sudden, you're sort of at the end. You go, oh, haven't we got any room? Like so I sat on the train the other day and the bloke next to me... He was enormous, and he kind of took up most of my seat as well. I felt like I should have sat on his lap. And he then gets his computer out. Then he decides, after faffing around with that, he's going to take his coat off. So he's spread... I mean, it's almost... It's like being in Calais. He'd spread all this stuff about all over the place. And I'm thinking, oh, i will be so glad to get... Anyway, luckily, when I stood up... I don't, I don't need to say anything. My look says it all. It's, I'm getting up off the train... And and he moved everything, and I felt a lot better about it, uh, which was good because there's no room on seats now. They're not geared for today's modern people. Lovely picture of uh, of Tony Warren in '94. He got his uh, his award. Um, it, it's interesting actually because he came up with something. Hopefully, he still made money uh, over it, and it was a, it was a clever thing to come up with. Very clever thing to come up with. Uh, very quickly, more of your uh, texts and uh, emails. Uh, Jackie's back in hospital again, so not sitting in Paddockwood she's back in, she's in and out, I think personally she's got shares in this hospital so, um, so good luck again, she says thank you to uh, friends say hello to them for all the support and, um another one here, when you were talking about Adele the other day, I didn't have time to say says, Paul, watch the interview with Graham Norton Adele at the BBC, especially the bit where they stage a fake Adele sound like TV show uh, disguised with a latex chin and nose interesting Interesting. Actually, I saw uh, her the other day. She was on Ellen DeGeneres' show and she went into... They were doing a stage thing uh, where she went into um, like a burger bar thing and she was saying, can I get it for free and can I have this? And she was doing all sorts of things just to see if you could wind them up. And they were very good. They all got $1,000 worth of whatever it was at the end. I like Ellen's show. She gets some good... She had Barack Obama on. I thought that was an interesting interview. When you see people coming out of their comfort zone, I thought that was very nice indeed. And then the nice pictures of Adele when she goes to see that little girl with cerebral palsy and uh, she's blind and everything. And she goes, she didn't have to do it. And I know it's a it's a photo opportunity. And you know the cynical side of all of us will be going, well, of course it's just good publicity. But I mean the show had sold out anyway. She didn't need to worry about things like that. But it's just to prove that you know people can do things like that. And when they do it, and they do it without, without telling anybody, it's only because the fact that she's got a photographer there, that uh, the people then go, oh, right. Cornflake pie with custard, says Tony of York. That was our school dinner pudding. Cornflake pie with custard. That sounds a bit naff. Uh, Phil used to have a pig once called Gertrude. Oh, I don't think you can name pigs, can you? <laughs> because they're going to end up sausages or something like that. Percy the pig. Percy. It doesn't make any difference what it's called. It doesn't make any difference what it's called. Pepper Pig is still a pig that's going to end up in a factory at some point, isn't it? Hanging upside down. Don't want to ruin it. Oh, God, that's probably ruined it for everybody. I don't know. But you do... I mean, didn't uh, Gordon Ramsay do that? Was it Gordon Ramsay? Yes, he had um, uh, turkeys in his house, and the kids watched them grow up, and they fattened them up, and then came the day, the fateful day that the mobile slaughterhouse came round, and they ended their lives. It's like, I don't like to think about things like that. I try not to think about things like that. I know that's how it works, but I don't want to think about it. Uh, Phil's friend takes a cup of tea and the paper to the loo for a bit of peace and quiet. Oh, I always take books. Always take books and reading material. <laughs> always books and reading material. Always. You can't... You can, and sitting in the bath. Ramsay was reduced to tears. Uh, he had two, two uh, sows. Trini and Susanna make of that joke what you will ladies and gentlemen and uh, looking pale uh, Gordon Ramsay saw the pig stunned with an electric shock to the brain before shackled by the hind legs and hoisted to the ceiling I know I mean it is it it is awful to watch don't don't watch it please if you're an animal lover you won't want to watch it but uh, he says that he'd never visited an abattoir before and uh, he said not pleasant the whole operation is extraordinary but it's not a nice experience it's not no it's absolutely not and it's even worse for, for cows. I told you there's that horrible one on YouTube where there's two cows going down. They, they ferry them down like a, a tunnel thing, so they have to keep walking. But this one, they sort of stop, and then the door lifts up and the cow goes in, and then they do an electric thing, which apparently sort of stuns them immediately. But the cow outside knows obviously what's going, on. they're not stupid are they? They obviously might get some sort of vibes or something, and obviously the cow inside had gone you know, in, in between these sort of this mooing obviously going, don't come in here, you won't like it it's not nice, and the one outside tries to turn around, but he can't because It's not, there's not enough room to t- it's awful to watch, and it goes on every day, doesn't it? Every single day uh, Nimco says the best thing about 6am is the Steve Allen show, well the best thing at 4am is the Steve Allen show, that's when the spike occurs, it's very nice actually uh, and Steph says, sorry, I missed the 6am spike as the alarm didn't go off, it's absolutely outrageous, absolutely outrageous and Paul says, Paddock Wood has had a lot of mentions today, it's only a small place listen, the smaller the place, the bigger the mentions, the smaller the place the bigger the mentions, ladies and gentlemen and, um and somebody says, uh, you're on form today, pal that's what one of these blokes said, he said addressing the, uh, I think the jury or something else, you know the bloke who got drunk in the Ritz Hotel and embarrassed himself totally by, uh, by being very, very badly drunk and not a very pleasant person. So the front pages of the papers, because yesterday I went way over time, I was a little bit naughty, uh, a picture of the snowy blast up in the Yorkshire Dales. Do you know, I don't care what anybody says, we have got some beautiful countryside around this uh, green and pleasant land of ours, you know. Uh, so I do watch Emmerdale and I do watch, you know, Home is Where the Heart Is and I do watch anything that's got the country... I love it, I love it all. And looking even here at Ingleton in the Yorkshire Dales, even with snow, it's beautiful. Even with snow, it's beautiful. Uh, Cameron's EU deal, disaster. Guilty, the England footballer facing jail. It's how long he faces. The Sun's headline, which we think has trivialised it, pedo in his speedos, making it, you know, as if ha, 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 whereas, of course, it uh, couldn't be any further from the truth. They say he faces ten years in jail. I don't think it'll be ten years in jail. I'm going to put my hand on heart and go based on what other people seem to have been convicted of nowadays. I think two years... I can't see it being ten years. If it had been a load of people, I could see it maybe being ten years, but it's only one person, and I would think maybe two years might, might be it. We'll wait and see later on today, I'm sure. Uh, what to eat to beat prostate cancer? They're doing, excuse me, they're doing a very big thing on prostate cancer at the moment. I've noticed in the loos here, on the back of the doors, there's a thing about prostate cancer for men. In other words, if you're having trouble weeing, it could be your, your prostate that is at risk. So they say, go and, go and see people. Bonjour, says Sue. Uh, When I had a trio of little boys in pound shillings and pence days, they begged me for a dog. And I said, as I didn't have 10 shillings left at the end of the week, we couldn't afford to have one. Therefore, I've always been very suspect about beggars with dogs. When things got financially better, we had dogs and I've had them ever since. Yes, I mean, I keep saying to you today, please don't give money to beggars. Once you've read the reports in the papers today, you cannot separate the genuine from uh, from the ones who are crooks. And there's lots of crooks. Some of these people, they, they aren't, you know, they're not homeless. They have places to live. Very, very, very few of them are actually homeless. Very few. The people who are sort of, who you see sleeping in doorways don't do begging. They don't do begging. The beggars are the crooks out there. And with the dogs as well, so please don't give money to them. You're not helping the situation. I was travelling to London last Saturday, says Diana, when a lad got on the train at Virginia Water and started writing his begging sign. Oh, I've had people sitting on... Oh, God, I've got to go now. But I've, I've been on the train before... And all of a sudden the door opens and there's some bloke saying there, uh, good morning ladies and gentlemen, I'm a homeless person, would you like to give me some money? No, we wouldn't. No, we wouldn't. Or they put tissues on the seats, these women who get in and put a tissue on the seat, which is lovely, I'd blow my nose, put the tissue back inside and leave it with them. Oh no, please don't give money, please, you don't help the situation. Thank you for your company, I'll have a free podcast for you in about uh, 15 minutes and the remainder of the show will be up as well.